The second expansion to World of Warcraft, which released in like 2007, was called the Burning Crusade. And there was the, the big bad villain in that uh, expansion had a catchphrase. His name was, was Illidan, and he had a catchphrase where he said, You are not prepared. <laughs> and I kind of think he might be right. <laughs> Well, uh, I see. I see you've gotten prepared, young man. You're looking a lot younger and more svelte and, and streamlined today. I I think everyone should go into the apocalypse nicely quaffed. It's amazing what a bath and a haircut. Can a haircut, do. shaving, haircut, and a bath. <laughs> if I, a nickel. Was it a bath at a bathhouse that you did this? My first COVID bath. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you've. Uh, flouted all of the CDC restrictions and decided to go ahead and have a bath. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't washed my hands, though, in two and a half years. Oh, okay. Well, for the listeners, just to catch you up here, uh, I'm Jordan Bruno. You are Jordan Bruno, and I'm Bobby Flood. And uh, Bobby Flood got a haircut. And he's looking very nice today, looking <laughs> a lot younger. Isn't It's funny how when uh, us guys get older that a, a haircut and a shave can... Take years off of your life. I just shaved one year of your life away. Now, you now appear to be 39 years old. You now appear to be 28 years old. It's uh, true. It's true. Anyway, I never did play World of Warcraft, so uh, he's, his catchphrase is, you are not prepared. Yeah. Maybe I'll play it here in a second. But uh, yeah, we had a few minutes before I hit record where we were talking about what to talk about, yeah, as we, we often do. We uh, followed standard protocol and only took a few minutes, meaning three or less, to script and formulate today's plan, which I know you're all anxiously awaiting. Today being the 4th of April, 2022. Well, that's an interesting mathematical date. 442022. Or 4422, if you'd like to shorten things. Is that cosmically significant? Is something interesting going to happen today? Well, uh, Elon Musk bought 9% of Twitter. Does that count? No. Why did he do that? That's uh, interesting, but... So Elon Musk is pretty active on Twitter, and he shares everything from mindless, stupid memes to... Not quite as mindless, stupid memes. Has I mean, he ever he, been put in Twitter jail, or have, I don't, do we know of any know. instance where it's like he gets suspended or shut down for his free speech? I don't know. He did. Re- he did put a poll up recently that said free speech is important to democracy. Is Twitter upholding free speech? And it was seventy seventy percent. I know this because I checked it this morning. I saw it. Seventy percent voted no. And you know people at Twitter are seeing this because he's an influential person and now he's a 
9% shareholder in the company. And I don't know, I don't know. It seems to me that buying 9% of a, of a big company like that would take some time and some negotiations. So maybe he was kind of uh, seeding that, making it seem like he just on a whim bought 9.2% of the company. And I, I don't know, maybe it was on a whim, but it seems like that would be something you'd be in talks with for a while. Well, you'd have to find the shares, right? Or you'd have to buy them from a large shareholder. Right. And maybe that's what he did. Maybe he just bought them on the open market. Right. I, I don't know if you can buy, can you buy 10, almost 10% of a company on the open market like that without yeah, it <laughs> some ca- red it'll flags? Cause, it would cause... Uh, it, it, was, it was almost $3 billion. Prices to hike. Worth it. Worth. Well, the thing is when that happens, then... The well, prices the, go up, but if he, well, but if did, Twitter, they, but Twitter has been steadily declining, so he could have been over the last couple of weeks Twitter buying shares, Twitter shares. Twitter shares jumped on the news this morning. Jumped like twenty five percent, huge skyrocket. Yeah, but the the deed has already been done. That's the thing. Right. But everybody thinks Elon Musk is a prophet, so they're they're jumping on board. Is the expectation that he's going to clean up this town? He's going to. Well, I'm Mayor Goldie Wilson, and I'm going to clean up this town. That's what people over the last couple of weeks are saying, because he's very active on Twitter, as I mentioned, and he's been talking about free speech and things. So people are like, just buy it, just buy it. Because he said, should I start my own social media company? And they're like, no, just buy Twitter, buy Twitter and fix it. And so now he's bought Twitter, or, you know, uh, 9% of it. And now people are saying, now you can fix it. Now you can fix it. Is he going to fix it? No, of course not. I mean, I, I don't think he has the power to. Um, the, the, the bottom line is that big tech, what we like to call big tech, social media companies are uh, regime censors. I mean, we've talked recently about the, the 180 on the Hunter Biden story. Do you want to hear my t- super tinfoil hat yeah. theory on Tan- the Tangent why? us again. This is... We, 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 we're we going to talk about preparedness today, just for the sake of uh, the listeners who indulge these circular, circuitous, roundabout, uh, winding tangents and whatnot. Bobby, Bobby proposes to me right before we get on, why don't we talk about solutions? So, of course, the solution is to become a doomsday prepper, right? No, not, not technically, but well, maybe we're, we're going to talk about solutions. Here we go. This is World of Warcraft, I assume. This is a five minute video. Oh, that was way better than we did it. (laughs) You are not prepared with the music. What if in what if you could set up uh, with all this technology some sort of a system where when you spoke to people you had a company and an accompanying soundtrack and your words became more dramatic. You kind of can. I think that might help general conference <laughs> to couple the songs with the words. They're almost there. I think have some, have a nice string swelling as they speak. They could do that. The yeah. technology's there for that. Maybe we could do the adagio from that was played in uh, what was the movie where Willem Dafoe gets shot while they're all flying away with the helicopter? 
Oh, that's um, the Vietnam movie. Yeah. Platoon. Platoon. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Everybody's, yeah. They had to leave a man behind. <laughs> that's a that's a powerful movie i mean maybe a little over the top no it's excellent actually point. it's i mean it's a little bit rated r but uh I, you know what i watched recently that movie is excellent i watched um good morning vietnam recently haven't seen that one robin williams yeah and it's comedy but there's some pretty poignant moment moments in that too and it was it reminds me of an a day and age when mainstream influences like Hollywood and the press and others were actually were courageous and enough to speak out against war instead of <laughs> instead of rattling the cages in favor of right. war. And and they were actually artistic. Yeah. I mean the the moment who is it? Tom Berenger that's the bad guy in that one? In Platoon? Platoon, yeah. I think so, yeah. And he plays a really good bad guy. Also f- from, uh, what other movies is Behringer in? I can't anyway, remember. Anyway, he, uh, they leave Defoe. He tells the rest of the platoon that he's been shot or lost in the jungle or something, and they leave him, and right. he, he's running out of the jungle being chased by the and they watch VCs. Him, they watch him die from their and he's, safety of their helicopter falls on his knees and raises his hands to heaven and then the, the adagio plays and uh it's just epic well it's there's dramatic. a reason that some of these movies that are 50 plus years old still resonate with us speaking of movies you know we talked about the oscars i don't know any of the movies that were nominated never heard of them couldn't name them don't care enough to go even look them up but do you want to hear my tinfoil hat theory? Okay, back to the tangent. <laughs> okay, what were we talking about? Why? Uh, well, the, we were talking about the one eighties. The, the media. Why the pulled. media had buried the so the New York Hunter Biden. The New York Times has come, come out story. right and said, "Oh, it's for the listeners." Catch, catch him up. What what was the Hunter Biden laptop? Just real quick. The Hunter, ba- Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York Post broke it in what like. September, October 2020, right before the election, mm-hmm. the presidential Which election. Probably would have mattered to voters. And Hunter Biden is the son of Joe Biden. Who's that? He's the uh, person who's pretending to be the president of the United States. Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. <laughs> At the time, okay. he was running. I'm, 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 for with the you I'm with you now. Okay. So now I've. I've <laughs> I've uh, sorted this out, and I've I think I've positioned Hunter and Joe. Uh, I think I've got them in place here in the in the movie script we're watching. Okay, go I, ahead. I read this morning that the Secret Service is paying something like thirty thousand dollars a month for a mansion in Malibu to protect Hunter Biden, so he's hiding out in Malibu at thirty thousand dollars a month. Well, that's the cost of the just to house the Secret Service. What about the cost of the Secret Service? Well, yeah, I don't know. Sixty thousand dollars a month. I mean, their pretty, salaries. Pretty soon, they'll have enough to build a a garage and a little uh, compound in San Pete yeah, Valley. Yeah, it's like, hey, Hunter, why don't you come come live at uh, come, come hide out General in Cox's Fairview house. at Cox's fortified house? He's not using it except on the weekends. But listen, yeah, you, you could two, be there during the week. You two, Hunter and Spencer, could use those weekends to connect with the soil and soul of the state together or smoke some weed or crack (laughs) 
Well, is that what you smoke in a crack pipe? Apparently. Okay. Well, so the laptop story broke, right? And it was quickly censored. Like, well, the thing was, this is what I'm getting. He left. He had massive amounts of personal business and uh, salacious data, like. Well, it shows porno, him with hookers. Like it shows him doing porno drugs. Films. What do we call that? Uh, sex tapes. Videos of him doing drugs with and hookers. With hookers, uh, really just kind of seedy, pretty stuff. bad, like the worst stuff you could think of. And it's he takes this to a, a, your average computer repair shop to have it fixed, and then leaves it there, abandons it. I don't think. But, but here's the thing that the, as 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 a kind of inappropriate or nasty or character maligning the images and videos are the worst of it it's the evidences of all the corrupt dealings with ukrainian officials right burisma and china burisma is a gas company out of ukraine there's so there's sweetheart is this the country that everyone's all focused on right i think it's a different ukraine ukraine okay (laughs) Uh, um Lots of shady business deals that leveraged his access to the big guy, who was at the time, the big guy was the vice president of the United States, a man named Joe Biden. But not this. Is that the same Joe Biden that's now president of the United States? I think it's a different Joe Biden and a different Ukraine. Okay. I think. (laughs) And that's why when the New York Post broke the story, all of the other major news outlets in unison, in a cartel-style manner. That's why they ignored it, because this wasn't the same Biden family and the same Ukraine. They did more than ignore it. They they ran interference. Remember, there was a bunch of... Oh, you're right. A bunch of people from the intelligence community signed a document 50 people signed a document. This is Russian disinformation. The New York Post story was blocked on Facebook and Twitter. You couldn't share it. Yeah. Uh, I think... I even think Washington Post... I mean, sorry. The so it wasn't York just Post. an ignore. It was an active blackout. Yeah. And Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald has done a good job of documenting that at the time. And then recently he's been saying, look at this. Now the New York Times has said, oh, maybe it was real all along. And you're still not getting retractions or apologies. Uh, the Washington Post uh, recently said something like, oh, well... Yeah, there's probably some fallout from this, but it's really tepid. And again, you have nobody being held accountable, which reminded me that the only person held accountable for the crimes that Edward Snowden exposed is Edward Snowden. Right. (laughs) But um, didn't they throw the person that leaked it into jail? Like, was that the Manning guy? That was a... That became a girl? That was the... That was... Bradley Manning, who became Chelsea Manning, I think that was a slightly different. He was the Abu Ghraib images guy, wasn't he? I I couldn't keep him straight. I couldn't keep all that scandal straight. I'll look it up while you're. But he's. Continuing I think. To I think it. he is, or or up until recently was still in military Man, jail. These guys make ugly women. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, so. The point being that you asked if Elon Musk is going no, to he, fix he, the, the, Twitter. He uh, disclosed this stuff to WikiLeaks, so it, it was no. So yeah, it wasn't. But it was different uh, than Edward it wasn't Snowden. Snowden. You're right. 
That was a different and one. Snowden is kind of living in semi-quasi-exile in Russia. Russia. The place... See, see, now this is interesting because in the 60s, fighter pilots and uh, political outcasts, people who wanted to be free, would flee from Russia and East Germany and other Eastern Bloc countries to America. Yeah. Now, you have to flee America to Russia. Right. Okay. I think dun, dun, dun. it's it's a it's an inverted upside down world. But you asked, does this mean Elon Musk is going to fix Twitter? And I said no, because big tech is just regime censors. And the Hunter Biden laptop story is a good example of that, as 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 well as blocking, uh, you know, quote unquote anti-vax information information about ivermectin, the effectiveness of masks. Twitter's still slapping labels on, on tweets that uh, question the efficacy of masks. If you go to Spotify on your phone um, and you go to the Joe Rogan podcast, every one of his episodes has a flag on it now. Learn about COVID-19. Learn the facts about COVID-19. I noticed that the other day and I just started laughing. Every episode. Yeah. Yeah, let me just, I mean, we, we can, I'll put a, a screen grab from my phone, my, my uh, spy device here, and we'll put it on the website. If it, but yeah, you can see here that, that it's the most prominent thing on the, on the screen is big blue banners. Is that blue? Yeah, Look. it's very much uh, contrasting with the rest of the page. Learn about COVID-19. If you click on the banner, the latest on the coronavirus vaccines, stay in the know, and then it links to other podcasts that tell you what you're supposed to know. I, I was watching a fifth generation warfare explanation, that I, which I sent to you late last night, so I don't expect you have watched it yet. Well, I mean, there's a 50% chance you Did might you have watched it. Did you send me something last night? Late last night. In email? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it probably got filtered to your junk folder. But... On purpose? Uh, yeah. But... Uh, it's interesting because they made mention of the fact that when the parents started to rise up against the school boards, that's when the knives came out at the FBI. They, they have yet to really vilify all kinds of other groups. They've, they've been trying to vilify certain groups, but they've been either careful or unwilling to go after, say, like gun owners or uh, what are even people that they are calling racist domestic terrorists they've been they've been careful to avoid pulling out all the stops but when the parents started getting in the face of the school boards the national school board association in conjunction with the fbi that they raised i think it was the it was the white house that asked the school board to write the letter to the FBI so that they'd have the outrage so that they could use the Patriot Act against the parents for rising up against the school boards who were teaching transgender and critical race theory. Right. Right. They're mad at them for teach for over-sexualizing your kids and teaching them critical race theory. And so that's what got the Patriot Act induced against the parents is when they started to attack the indoctrination mechanism which is the school board. So this idea that you need to learn what we have to say supports our thesis here on the Mind Virus show that this is a war fought on the in the battleground of the mind space and they really really care about what you think first more than what you do and they really really care about what the kids think 
and anyone listening to Joe Rogan, they want that's just a good example of how you know you can kind of say what you want, but we're going to shout louder. Learn about COVID nineteen. Learn about COVID nineteen. Learn about COVID nineteen. Right, and and from the very beginning of the pandemic, sorry, did I say pandemic? I did. Yes, you did. YouTube has flagged videos and and even had banners. You know, if you if you use YouTube as much as I do, you start to get a feel for the kinds of videos and the uh, authors of those videos. They're going to show up on your kind of homepage, your algorithm induced watching habits. And there's sometimes that the algorithm just gets kind of broken, where YouTube says you're going to watch this, and uh, or we want you to watch this, but they'll insert an entire row of uh, influencer videos or interviews with Fauci and this all this pro COVID vaccine, pro mask, you know, whatever the the push of the the day was, and and then they'll they'll flag individual videos. They still do that. Um, but it's been very clear from the beginning. Like these are the things that are acceptable for you to believe, and big tech, social media, Apple, Google. You, you know, YouTube, which is part of Google, Amazon, they've all pushed the same, these same ideas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, we, and we've rehashed this, but all, any alternative ideas, even coming from really uh, established people like the Great Barrington Declaration, things like that have been censored and dismissed and mocked. And it's kind of funny how, I don't, I don't think it's funny, like, haha, but anyway, that people have come around to the, the 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 ideas in the great barrington declaration were probably what we should have done all along accurate yeah we're very very conservative very appropriate rational well anyway uh the, you you might enjoy this uh, fifth generation warfare video and I'll post a link to it on our podcast page but i think the point i'm trying to make is that we are actually in Fifth, genera- fifth generation warfare. I think we've talked about it as fourth generation warfare, but this author went through a really good reasoned explanation of what the military considers first, second, third, and fourth generation warfare. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good explanation. Then he talks about how fifth generation warfare is somewhat debated by academics, what it really is, and that. It, based on their definition, it's difficult to tell that you're actually in that kind of a war. And, and it's, uh, it's not just a war for your mind. It results in things like the war in Ukraine, but it's still war. And, right. and we've, we've been talking about being at war for a couple of years now. This idea of asymmetric warfare is uh, I think really significant because the question is not necessarily about you know coming in and destroying things by force to get your way. If there's an easier, cheaper way to do it, then nation states and and uh, entities that control nation states they're going to try to use the path of least resistance to get their way, whatever that is. You want to hear my conspiracy theory now? Yeah, go ahead. It's re- Hunter it's, Biden laptop. It's related to what we're talking about, which is why I thought about it. So I put this out on, on the, the Twitters a few days ago. 
said, here's my best tinfoil theory about the 180 the corporate news has made regarding the Hunter laptop. Okay, but really, have they made a 180? Sort of. Because are they... That my question the is fact who, it, why, and well, why now? Right, exactly. Yeah, and this is my this is my go ahead. This is an attempt to kind I'm of. I'm only going to interrupt that. one more time. <laughs> okay, maybe twice. Here it is. Joe Biden is worse than useless for the security state. He's a liability. They're done with him. Harris is a cackling moron. They have no use for her either. But they'll use her to deliver a death knell to the U.S. Constitution. There will be some kind of crisis, probably financial, and she will, and I put resign in quotes, she will resign the presidency to an emergency council made up of intelligence weirdos who, for our own good, suspend the Constitution. There will be no 2022 midterms, no 2024 election. Instead, we'll be ruled by these unaccountable spooks and corporate overlords who control the new digital dollar, our social credit scores, the press, the TV, the internet, and everything else. That's the who, why, and why now of the Hunter Biden laptop story? The point being, <laughs> the point is that you, you, you can't admit that these things are authentic, the, 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 the stuff on that laptop is authentic, and not have there be some serious consequences for like the big guy. Like removal or impeachment. Or like a or, huge investigation. Right. Maybe that's the plan for 2022 to 2024, is to have a, a Ken Starr Watergate times 100 Republicans Quagmire. have announced such a thing, I think. I think they said something about investigation. Of course, Republicans are milk toast, spineless. Well, you're lumping them all into the same bucket, but in general, yeah, the party is the political the party has failed party. to support the platform it proposed supposedly. Now I know follows. there's lots of holes in that little theory. It's a Twitter theory, right? It's but the point being is that when Joe Biden stands up and says things like, we got to remove him from power, he just gets himself into trouble. He's, he's useless. He's useless for the regime. And Harris, can, you ever listen to any of her sound bites? No. It's, it's incredible. No, see, I'm fighting the fifth generation warfare by not taking their <laughs> shots, to, right. to, by not taking direct hits. See, this is interesting, and this her, we, we her maybe sound do, bites are not direct hits. Maybe yeah, but maybe we should do <laughs> a uh, whole episode on this this warfare. But I think it's also it might be fruitless to do the episode because that's kind of what we talk about all the time. I keep telling you to turn off the social media. I know. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm telling everybody but you because you're uh, you're the one sacrificing for the uh, listeners of the Mind Virus podcast. It's good advice. I, I, I was thinking of writing a book entitled "How Social Media Killed." everyone or killed America or destroyed our culture or destroyed everything. I mean, social media is destroying everything. It's changed. It is. It's destroying everything. And it's being used, not, not as it just uh, destroying things, just by virtue of the nature of it, where we are always looking at other people and always posting an unreality. We're, we're the ones doing it in a lot of ways. But then you have the bots. Then you have the artificial mechanisms and the influence operations. It's been f- fully... A do, uh, fully transformed into a, a, a mind weapon against us. So, so you can go out and participate in that space. It's sort of a crowdsourced entropy. But then you, you also get to compete in that space with the bots that are being used by commercial sources and also by the intelligence apparatuses to, to 
enact their intelligence, their influence operations. They want to influence your mind. So, so you don't know what's commercial. You don't know what's organic. You don't know what's a uh, nation state, which I guess I'd lump in with commercial because it's all to evoke a certain end. And it's mostly fake. It's got to be like 75% fake. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. And so is you just possible, turn it off. Is if it you don't possible? listen to the sound bites of Kamala Harris on there, it doesn't make you angry about it. Oh, is it possible that she is a like a, a bot, like a organ, quasi organic bot, like Data in Star Trek: The Next Generation? Yeah, her, but her, at least her, his programming is like pasty. Clever. He has pasty white skin, but his programming, his AI, was clever. Well, and that was the point: was to make Harris you is, make him more human than the rest of the people. Harris, I'm just trying to find some like her. Her sound bites are incredible. So they say things like. She said something about Jamaica, like the ongoing crisis of COVID in Jamaica requires that the crisis be ongoing and that we supply financial aid for the ongoing crisis in Jamaica that requires us to require aid for the crisis. (laughs) Okay. She was asked a yes or no question recently, like, uh, Yes or no, Putin should remain in power. And she went on for two minutes. Just nonsensical yes things. Or no. Yeah, just yes or no. It's a yes or no question. But she's fantastic because it's just like... So she's a typical politician. No, I think she's dumber than... Dumber than a typical politician. I think politician. she's dumber than a puppy dog. So she... Okay. Like... She has like sometimes a politician will ramble, but there's little nuggets of okay, I kind of understand. Like she just says words. They're I really just, haven't listened to her speak much at all. They're just words randomly strewn together. Well, that's what they would accuse uh, Donald Trump of doing. But see, Trump never I shouldn't say never, but Trump didn't really do that. He usually was very blunt. And, and, well, and the way and he formed his he had Speech an interesting, was a weird. he had man, interesting mannerisms, and of course, he said, you know, he says always like. But then he'd hyper, say something like, "We're going to make NATO and, pay their fair share," right? Which is a complete sentence and a complete thought, and makes actually some rational sense if you're involved in a in a treaty with a bunch of countries that aren't paying their fair share, right? Right. I think that's why so much of America loved Trump is because he was like out to to make it fair. Whether 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 the system is statist or not, it was like, yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna get our share here. We're gonna stop paying for everything and and having it hurt our country. Yeah, here we'll we'll you, just you, have did to. Did you find one? I found one. I just, here. I'll just give you a little sample. I think this is the yes or no. No, this is something different. This is something new. I haven't seen. So let's see here. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't, there's no kinkos there's no office max near them people have to understand that when we're talking about voter id laws be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are okay so
rather than just showing your ID at the polling center, you have to photocopy it? I'm not sure. Is that is she saying I, that because she's now concerned that everyone's got to vote by mail and you have I, to photocopy I, I your ID? Know. I I don't know. I've never had to do that. Have you? Photocopy your ID to send it to the to polling vote? station? Yeah. Every time I come in, they sh- they ask for my uh Yeah, you have to show name. ID. Don't they ask for your ID and then your address? At least in our... They used to. I'm not sure if they do. Like Utah now is pushing hard this mail vote. Mailing, mail-in voting, not just males voting. Men vote. It's reverse suffrage, women. Mail, yeah. Vote for mail. I mean, by mail. I mean... I think that you, you frame the point... This is when she was asked about... Quite accurately and well, which is Putin. America's policy has quite ac- been quite accurately and will continue well. to be focused on the real issue at hand, which is, one, the needs of the Ukrainian people, which we will continue to support, through humanitarian assistance, through security assistance, but also ensuring that there's going to be serious consequence for Vladimir Putin and Russian aggression as it relates to Ukraine, which is why our policy from the beginning has been about ensuring that there are going to be real costs exacted against Russia in the form of severe sanctions, which we know are having. It was a yes or no question. She continues to go on. And What was the question? Should Putin be the leader of Russia? Should Putin still be in power? Well, that that's... Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz explained that, you know, if the, the playbook says that if you are asked a question you don't want to answer, you answer the question that you th- right. wanted to answer. But, she, but she's especially even bad at that. Here's Jamaica, then we'll move on from Kamala. We also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the, the, the issue of public health, but also the economy. Well, she's going to strengthen the issue. <laughs> okay, that one was definitely, that one took the cake as far as those three, for sure. I mean, I guess we could zoom out and say, why the heck are we paying for Jamaica's recovery? But why are we paying Kamala Harris as vice president? That's a good question. <laughs> right. So anyway, I don't remember why we were, we, we got into her from my, my, my tinfoil hat. Cause she, she's useless, right? She, she can't be the president of the United States. Yeah. You were figuring that a committee, some, somehow a committee of unelected spooks and bureaucrats would end up running the country. And, uh, Some kind my, of emergency con- council. Yeah, my contention is that's already happening. Well, you're right, right. But I'm saying it would become public, right? A public suspension of the Constitution, you know, for our safety, which we kind of, we basically had in 2020 when the, when the world was shut down. The Constitution was suspended, whether, well, whether of- formally or not, it became... Yeah, we're kind of already subject. There. It became second, you know, second or third down the list to the, you know, uh, behind these emergency measures. But remember, all individual rights may be suspended in terms in in during extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
all individual rights may be reasonably restricted during extraordinary circumstances. You might, uh, listeners, do a little homework to figure out who and where that statement came from. And ask yourselves, do you agree that during extraordinary circumstances, all individual rights may be reasonably suspended? I don't agree. I disagree. <laughs> I also I agree with you and disagree with them. So, okay, so where, where, where well, here, does this leave us? Here's the larger point, right? My, my little conspiracy theory, it's kind of fun to write that kind of stuff on Twitter. Maybe that's not what happens, but the point being is that I think there's some calamity heading our way. Catastrophe, right? Didn't we have a whole episode called well, that's Catastrophe? All, that's what we're talking about. We keep talking and, about and that. And how can we be prepared for it? Because we wanted to talk about some solutions or some ideas today that, that weren't just solutions for the, for the issues, the economic solutions and the issues that continue to persist with the issues. And we need to continue to have aid. To aid the issues. The issues and to bring those issues. Because that will add strength to that issue. To the, to the forefront so we can strengthen the issues. Right. I could be the vice president of the United States. You are, you are the vice president of the United States. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I think that's what the listeners want to do. is uh, They want us to, to fish or cut bait, as they say. Stop, stop being so negative. Stop acting like the sky is falling. Tell us what to do. Bobby Flood, we want to know what to do. Yeah, we get it. We believe you now. We believe you and Mr. Bruno on the Mind Virus podcast that the world has a mind virus. We believe that societal collapse is at our doorstep. What should we do, Mr. Flood? Everyone is waiting patiently with bated breath to find out the location of the Bobby Flood Galt Galt's Gulch so that they can come participate in this uh, communal living society, yeah. So the Bobby free Flood, from all outside influences. The Bobby Flood Galt Gulch is located in Fairview. It's a recently fortified home uh, <laughs> in Fairview, Utah, funded by taxpayers. Yeah, funded by taxpayers. So it's your garage. Yeah, the name on the mailbox says Cox, spelled C O X. Anyone who wants to stay in that garage, it's been paid for you by paid for the Utah it. taxpayers. You paid for it, and as well as the new sprinkler system and the trees and the driveway and probably a little putting green or something else we don't know uh, putting about. Putting green. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a golf simulator oh, in the Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's, there's something in there, like a skeet shooting range behind Maybe. the house. I mean, the guys that are stationed there got to have something to do. Mini golf. They're going to get bored guarding Spencer Cox in Fairview. Uh, While he is outside in the backyard, PlayStation Five connecting with the soil and soul of the state. PlayStation Five. No, there's no PlayStation Five, and nobody has one of those. Six. Those are the the fives are almost impossible to get. Well, I'm sure the governor of Utah could arrange one for his Secret Service detail. Probably. I guess we call it security detail here in Utah. So, what do you do? What do we do? Well. I, I, that's a good question. I think it's different for everybody based on where you're at right now in your own financial situation, your personal lives, where you live. It's interesting because as the uh, the prepping movement has been going mainstream the last few years, a lot of the institutions of the world, including the LDS Church, have sort of distanced themselves from the prepper movement. It used to be that 
if you were a prepper, let's say in the 90s or the 2000s, 2000, what do we call that? The, the 2000 aughts? The aughts. Uh, <laughs> you were sort of looked at cockeyed, like, oh, you're a little crazy. You know, you, what's your problem? It's not, you know, right. Y2K passed without a, without a, uh, with his, so only with a whisper, you know, there wasn't right. much that happened then. And, you know, so you were either looked at as a, as a very faithful, faithful church member, if you had your year's supply, or if you had a year's supply and then guns or something like that, you're a little crazy if you weren't like. And probably on watch lists. Yeah. So, and then over the last 10 years, 12 years ish, there's been a sort of a rever- reversal of the rhetoric. No longer do we talk about a year's supply of food. It's been a shift to more like financial preparedness and not so much a discussion about getting out of debt, but more, uh, I can't remember from uh, one meeting, we were talking about insurance policies. It seems like once or twice a year. 401k plans. Once or twice a year in, in church, right? In like Sunday school, we'd have a temporal preparedness lesson, right? Where we would go over getting out of debt, food storage, medical supplies, 72-hour kits, um, you know, all that kind of thing. And I, I'm trying to remember the last time we had one of those. Now, co- the COVID shutdown sort of wiped the slate clean with the way we do certain things. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, so today's, by the way, today's Monday. You said it's, yeah, you pointed out the date. Four, April 422. Four. Monday, April 4th, 2022. Find us at show, of course. On the web, of course. Yesterday as was long the, as the web is online. Yesterday was the uh, LDS General Conference, right? Saturday and Sunday. And given the global climate, not the climate, climate change climate, but the, the global, financial the global and climate political and social climate, <laughs> and given things like uh, influential people like Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock, and you know BlackRock owns... I thought you were going to say Larry Flynn, but keep going. Not him. <laughs> um, you know, he, Larry Fink, I think that's his name, right? He's been saying things like bad, bad stuff oh, it's coming. Larry, it's Larry Flint, sorry. Flint, Fink. <laughs> Who's Fink? Larry Flint. So it's more, closer to Larry Flynn, who uh, was the CEO or founder of... Hustler, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there a movie made that Woody Harrelson was in with something like that? People versus Larry Flint. Oh, Larry Flint is the hustler guy. Right? Yes, that's correct. That who's was the, a bad bad joke. Who's the BlackRock guy? Larry Fink? <laughs> BlackRock <laughs> Inc. president Rob Capito. Well, who's Larry? No, look up Larry Fink. He's something to do with BlackRock. I think he's the CEO. Chairman and CEO of BlackRock. Okay. Okay, so he's a fink. But he's... A rat fink? He's... BlackRock people who, if you don't know who BlackRock is, they own lots of everything. Probably own your home. Um, Or you're paying them, you know, part of your mortgage. But he's been warning about, you know, this age of scarcity. You've got Joe Biden, you know, saying, we're going to have some food shortages in the winter of death. And he's a very optimistic president. the point being, there's lots of warning signs, right? right? Lots of red flags pointing towards food shortages, um, yeah, let me just financial read problems, you know, record inflation, record unemployment. Let me just read you from the article because I think it's interesting. It's a very short article. I'm going to read you a couple of paragraphs. 
This is the president of BlackRock, not the CEO. This is uh, Rob Capito. Or Capito. Maybe it's just Capito, like Capital. Is it, is it, is it Rob Das Capital? <laughs> That's not what it says here. Oh, okay. Here's what he says. Here's what Tyler Durden says on Zero Hedge. Millennials, born between 81 and 96 have spent much of their lives in an economic utopia where goods are cheap and plentiful. Unlike generations before, these youngsters have yet to experience rapid inflation and shortages. Until now. On Tuesday, BlackRock Inc. President Rob Capito told an audience in Austin, Texas, hosted by the Texas Independent Producers and Royalty Owners Association, that an entire younger generation is quickly finding out what it means to suffer from shortages, according to Bloomberg. Quote, For the first time, this generation is going to get into a store and not be able to get what they want, Capito said. And we have a very entitled generation that has never had to sacrifice. There's that sacrifice. Age of sacrifice. He said the economy suffers from scarcity inflation, quote unquote, scarcity inflation, air quotes right there. Due to the fallout of labor shortages, lack of agricultural supplies and affordable housing and high energy prices. So... Anyway, that's most of the article. We'll post it on the on the web. There's a nice little graph there. But he makes a good point. We have a generation that is kind of I, entitled, right? I, Feels I, entitled. I think that you could even expand that. I don't think it's just millennials. I think it, basically anybody born in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yes, we there was some, some rough patches, right, in the 70s. But really, since... We were kids in the late seventies and eighties. It's been, you know, pretty good times when it comes to material growth and goods and individual right. wealth. And it's funny. There's this guy that they 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 threw a tweet up here from a guy named Pedro Gonzalez, and he says, "The president of BlackRock calls Americans who don't want to pay ten dollars a gallon for gas or not be able to feed their families quote entitled." Right. So so there's two two sides to look at this. Yeah, we have we do have on one hand a generation of people who have never had to go without, but we also have this the it's not it's not their fault, right? That they're right. It's not it, it, right. It's not a bad thing to want good economic conditions. Right. It's not, it's not a bad thing to have generations that have gone have never had to go without. Now that now there's you yeah, ten, could ten say gallons, ten gallon a dollar gas is ten dollars a gallon gas right. is not a bad is a bad thing it's not it's not bad to not want to have to pay that much right right yeah and it's economic ruination that this uh, that this uh, inflation is causing is not a good thing even if you've never known it before it was uh, I think some economists at Bloomberg, <clears throat> excuse me, Bloomberg, <clears throat> Bloom. I think it was Bloomberg economist said that um, the average American family needs to budget an extra $5,200 a year to offset the inflation. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money just to conjure out of nowhere, out of your existing budget, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would guess that most American families aren't able to do that, right, which, means got- that, which means that they will have to sacrifice yeah it's interesting how corona circus was talking about the sacrifice in terms of the covid covid vax but then it all it now it all becomes a sacrifice for ukraine sacrifice for the environment 
you know. Uh, Shannon Sharp out of left field. used to play football. Um, and now I think he's on Fox or ESPN, you know, to talk about football. He tweeted out, he's like, oh, I'm glad to pay $20 a gallon for gas if it means Trump isn't the president. <laughs> it's like, well, Shannon Sharp said that? And it's like, well, that's not related. You paying expensive gas doesn't keep Trump out of office. But it was just like this so out of touch thing. You know, he's a multimillionaire and probably doesn't even fill up his own gas tanks. Who knows? It reminds me of Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, after he retired from the NBA, uh, his wife, who's also a celebrity, and I can't remember her name right now, was on like The View or something. And it's like, uh, Dwayne's stupid. He doesn't even know. He thinks milk costs $20 a gallon. And it's like these guys she's just been telling him that milk costs $20 a gallon while she's draining the credit card. <laughs> probably. But, you know, he he made pro- I don't know what his career earnings were, probably in the two or three hundred million range. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure he got at least a few big, big contracts from the NBA or from his team, the Miami Heat. And then, you know, you add on endorsements and things. But the point being, that there's a lot of out of touch people just thinking it's fine. Why can't you stupid, selfish Americans just pay more if it means defeating evil, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of the idea, and it's ridiculous. Yesterday, as I was mentioning, yesterday was the LDS General Conference, and you mentioned uh, preparedness used to be a, a pretty prevalent, <clears throat> prevalent topic, right? An LDS theme. It was like, hey, we're LDS, we're preppers. Yeah. We get it. And I, I kind of listened Have a supply. over the weekend with an ear toward, what, you know, would anything be... be would any would any of the current events sort of play into things? Yeah, that's and a good question. Are they going to acknowledge the state of the world and go, "Hey, yeah, things have gone they, blank, was, blank, crazy"? They they did, but very uh, President Nelson did in his opening remarks very um, just touched on it, like, "Oh, it's very generically right conflicts in faraway lands," kind of thing. You know, he, I don't know if he ever even said Russia and Ukraine. It, later, he did. He said, "I've been to Russia and Ukraine, and I love those people and their languages." But you know, they're not. He's obviously not going to come out and take a side in conference. But I, I was listening more like, w- "Will there be specifics?" Right? I'm always looking for specifics. Will there be specific counsel to get out of debt? To yeah, I remember Shore President, up your food, short, food storages, things like that. Yeah, President Hinckley gave specific counsel when I was younger to get out of debt, like l- very, very pointed counsel in a priesthood session maybe 20 years ago. And the answer was no, there wasn't. None of the speakers really took the current situation, our current awful situation. They didn't take it head on, right? It was phrases like tumultuous times or, you know, uh, uncertainties. Do they offer like any solutions? Not temporal solutions. I mean, there was always the kind of normal, like... Pay your tithing, come to church. Stay on the covenant path, pray. And, read your book I, and I'm not saying those are bad things, right? I just was looking for more specific things, just kind of listening with that in the back of right, my right. mind. Will there be any specific instruction? Now you could say, well, if President Nelson stood up and said, there's going to be food shortages, you better you know, you better uh, prepare. Well, you would probably, it would probably cause a lot of panic in, in at least in Utah, right? Yeah. People would ru- make a run on the grocery stores yeah, and on the but they do banks. that anyway. But how is it different? I mean, you have people, you have people saying these things, influential people like Larry 
what's his name and the other guy well, you, from BlackRock. You have the president of the United States saying there's going to be food I shortages. It, it just it makes sense to me that somebody in leadership would be like, "Hey, we've been look at we've been talking about this for a long time. It makes sense to be look at how wise the LDS program was to have a year's supply of food right, right. now. They'd be like, "Hey, this is a good idea. Well, and, and, you know, let's and, go back to our roots." But I mean, instead of uh, talking about scarcity of uh, food, we're worried about a, an over-surplus of temples. I think we got new, 17 new temples coming. Right. We're going to have no shortage of those. Right. Because if we shut them all down, you won't be able to go to all those temples to do the endowments for well, the dead. Well, we've had recent events that have caused people to have to use their food storage, right? You know, March 2020, you had the run on paper goods, toilet paper, paper towels. I don't, I don't remember any kind of food shortages, at least here, but I know that I remember seeing photos of, you know, shelves being emptied. Of oh, I took pictures of the local like Smiths that. and other supermarkets. They were empty. <clears throat> a lot of, I think it, for a minute there, it was hard to get. I mean, people just went crazy, right? What I thought was interesting was that in March of 2020, the Mormon areas, the Intermountain West, we panicked first. Like, and, and it might have l- largely been due to the earthquake, which, remember, yanked the trumpet out of the angel Moroni off the Salt Lake Temple. But I think the earthquake combined with the lockdowns, which re- re- literally happened within days of each other, the same week that the world shut down, we had an earthquake here. And I think that really shook yeah a lot of people it, it could have been that but it, it also could just be the the that coupled with the general uh, all the mormon teachings you know the the things right. that we've always learned in our we're not hearing that a lot nowadays but it's still ingrained we, in our we, culture. we have a we have a very i mean all a lot of christian denominations tend to focus on the eschatos the end times but we have it in the name the latter day saints right, right. we're like we're, we're very much focused on the end time, so it's, it's in our blood to be thinking about that. But my understanding is our, our panic allowed us to clear out the stores and then get replenished before the rest of the nation really panicked. And so we, we got a lot more food out of that whole deal than, than a lot of these other places did because we stocked right. up twice. The, the key there, though, is that the stores were replenished basically on time. And on schedule, there was a there was a time there. There was a few weeks where, like at the local Smiths, you could only buy one seventy-two roll package of toilet paper. Well, they limit, they limited stuff like flour. They stopped right. th- after Water. a while. The the manufacturers stopped making the big packs. And yeah. you had to buy the little ones. Water. There uh, were like limits. Bottled water, there was limits on. There limits on milk. There were limits on all kinds of stuff. And, and, and for the most part, that wasn't that much of an inconvenience, right? They just didn't want people hoarding. hoarding. Now, of course, or, that same or, or now sto- deathbed stocking up. That same you know? Smiths right now is having a case lot sale, <laughs> or you can go buy a I, case Bobby, lots. Bobby, let's repeat, Bobby Smiths is having a case lot sale right now. Is it still going on? <laughs> I I don't know if it's still going on, but last week it was. <laughs> okay. And yes, we took advantage of it. Yes, so did we. Um, but now imagine though that the resupply. Doesn't, doesn't come, doesn't come, or doesn't come on time. Or it comes at a high do? price, right? Then what do you do, right? You can't just you can't just panic buy twice, right? You might be able to get one, but it, in one of these scenarios, I think it was this this uh, Doomsday Preppers article. They talk about uh, how grocery stores could um, 
limit the, you know, have security, right? And limit the number of people that go in, limit what you buy, kind of what we were talking about last week. Which they've the already done in, in March. If you remember Home Depot, uh, Lowe's never really did it, but Home Depot, Walmart, those guys all had lines outside and somebody kind of managing the gate and they'd block the other entrance. They, they can totally limit the flow into the, into the stores, no problem. I mean, Walmart did that with, under the guise of COVID. The local Walmart had like a Disneyland style line set up out yeah. front. Yeah. And you'd have to go through this thing. You kind of get stuck you, in what's called a cattle chute, guys. Those are called cattle chutes. You would go, and you could only go into the store in one entrance, and then people would have to exit the same entrance, which I didn't really understand. This was right to slow the spread. And it's like, well, you're still gathering everybody well, in there was one co- place. There was COVID over at the other side. And then another place. On the other side of the store, there's what, that's where the COVID was. And they were forcing masks on you. you know, they, I remember I, I showed up there, and the guy's like, do you have a mask? And I said, no. And he goes, here, I've got one for you. And so with his dirty hands, he peels a mask out of a box and hands it to me. I said, thank you. I put it in my pocket and went into the store and I didn't wear it. And it was never harassed. But maybe a surly looking guy who was maybe, may or may not have also been armed, uh, didn't get a lot of pushback from the mask mafia. (laughs) <laughs> Are you saying the mask guy was surly and might no. have been armed, or the guy he no, handed the, the mask the guy to he, was surly the, looking? The guy he handed the mask to. What's who your didn't definition put it on? of surly, Bobby? Angry? I'm making a surly face right now. I'm, I'm asking Google what surly means. <clears throat> I just don't, I just don't think I, of you I, as sur- bad tempered and unfriendly. Okay, I guess. At Walmart, just, that's not Bobby Flood. At Walmart, that's during the Flood. height never, of all this never stuff. Never Bobby Flood. Never. At, at, <laughs> at Walmart, never during seen the that. height of all this, I put out a what was the definition? Bad tempered and unfriendly. I put out sometimes I put out bad tempered and unfriendly energy. Other times I just walked around with a big grin on my face, kind that's, of emphasizing, guys, you could take your masks off. Look, nobody's arresting me. I'm shopping and no one's doing anything to me. But. Anyway, what we, we haven't got into the we we haven't really got into some of the well, solutions. Well, this is generally yet. a two-hour episode, and there's only a couple of solutions. So, uh. <laughs> I think that well, okay, let's so let's talk about some solutions. One we've already talked about, right? Is food, uh, especially. Okay, so so having a year supply of food is a good idea. I would say. Is, is, would is, you say one year or maybe like eleven months? I mean, is there like a I, what's the I, rationale I would, behind one year supply of food? I don't. I don't know. Um, what if this, what if, what if the, the war lasts one year, one month, <laughs> one day and one hour? I think you should, you should store as much as you can comfortably afford. It, so you take your situation. So if you're wealthy, this is a, like a warehouse. I mean, I don't know if a warehouse. Food goes bad, okay, Bobby l- Flood. Certain foods do, yeah. Let me let me let me uh, add one more caveat to that. As much food as you can comfortably comfortably afford and defend, <laughs> <laughs> it might be hard to defend a warehouse, but a little storage room um, with uh, again. And what constitutes a year supply? Well, look at you'd have to go and look at your family, right, and your current eating habits, and then. You know, in times of scarcity, you might have to sacrifice some of your calories. So maybe instead of eating 7,000 calories a day, like so many of us do, you don't, you'd have to live on 1,800 calories, you know, and what, what you buy would, would determine that. I would, I would say get, okay, get things that are satiating, high protein things like beans. 
meat, you know, get a freezer full of meat. That's what gonna, if, that's what harder. If power goes out though. Then you better have some backup power, a, gen, a gas power generator, that's, or a big appetite. Right, or you got to eat that meat right away. <laughs> and a so, and means of cooking the meat. I think you would want, uh, again, if power goes out for an extended period of time, you're not going to be able to use your oven. So I would have a propane grill outside, um, maybe an extra propane canister. You know, one of those propane, kind of those big ones you can buy at Home Depot or whatever, those, those will last a long time if you're grilling, you know, once a week. But if you're grilling every meal, that's a little different. But you know, if you do have meat, uh, you could cook a lot of it at once, and then you'd, you'd have to eat it. You could salt it like they used to. Yeah, you, you could. You, you know, if you know how, you could learn how to, you could dry age beef. Um, that's still a thing. It works. You'd have to learn how to do that. I don't really know how to do that. Okay, so, um, so you're going through the things we need to get, and getting stuff is a helpful part of prepping. In fact, I think that's the first reaction is to get, get stuff a, right you better have a really durable can opener durable maybe a couple opener. of those I, I mean we laugh but imagine you're in a situation you've got you've got six months of canned food and i'm taking notes here by the and way and your can opener breaks on the second day right yeah you can do it with a knife right you've seen there's other here. ways yeah but knives it, it, knives would be useful con- in the apocalypse it's convenient to have a good can opener okay well anyway you t- you're talking about getting stuff but like okay so if you buy a bunch of food do, are you a proponent of cycling that food, buying food that you generally eat, or what about guess, like uh, yes, wheat, it, wheat and beans that you grind, dry goods? You know that used to be the joke, right? Food storage meant just vats of wheat, and then we realized just wheat in that format is almost useless without a grinder and, and right. Ways, you know. So they would sell those little hand crank grinders. Yeah, I think I've got one, but there's a lot of other things you can do canned canned vegetables canned meats canned fruits you can get the freeze-dried stuff mountain house is a prominent brand they sell cans that have 25 year shelf yeah. lives see i think this we're is not good. sponsored by mountain i house. think this is good i think this you need to go through the basics here but listeners we're going to talk about some of the nuances because i know a lot of you are already sort of of the prepping mindset a lot of you probably have thought through this before but maybe maybe there'll be something new and interesting that will come out of this discussion that will be helpful because I think the whole idea of being prepared goes beyond just getting stuff. For sure it does. And we, we need to fundamentally change how we operate. So what what about scoping out the stores for what's on sale or what you know, if you if you have a budget watching for the case lots and buying in bulk and and saving to buy in bulk is helpful. The problem being that right now the prices are inflating, right? So if you save to buy in the future, you might not be able to buy as much. Right. So what do we do, Bobby Flood? I don't, I don't just know. Get just get it now at all well, costs? I think, I just think, yeah, just get. Is that why the, is that why the, think, the presidents of the church didn't come out and say you need a, your supply of food because everybody would go out and buy it, which would then exacerbate the societal situation? They're playing 4D chess against the... I read, I read somewhere at some point, like if, if you're starting from scratch or from, you know, maybe having whatever's on hand in your pantry as your food storage, and you want to build up a little better supply, you can do it as simply as buying a couple of extras each time you go to the grocery store. So buy, buy a few cans, extra cans of beans or whatever, and then store those away. And after a few months, then you've got something right mm-hmm. it's a start i don't know that you need to go out and buy 
you know, $10,000 worth of food all at once, you know. No, I agree. You, if you can afford that, maybe that is what you do. That would but be look, an easier way to do it. Look, the word, the word inflation is definitely out in the mainstream press right now. Mm-hmm. But food shortages, I mean, they're talking about scarcity, but nobody's really framing it except the alternate media, which is probably over half the country. They're getting hit with this food scarcity, oil scarcity. They're 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 getting hit with the shortages talk quite a bit, which means a lot of people. This is on a lot of people's minds right now, and it's sort of like a Mexican standoff where you're looking at. Uh, can we even say that word? Well, what is? Has, it, has anyone uh, seen good ba- the good, uh, bad, and the ugly? Mexican standoff is a three-way standoff where each person has a gun in yeah, each that's, hand. Yeah, that's a technical. That's a technical term. That's not a racist right, term. Everyone's pointing the gun at each other. I call it. I think we have this happen in modern culture. I call it the soccer mom standoff, and that's when you get to a four-way stop, and all the women are there, and then they're all trying to wave each other through, and nobody will go first. That's a soccer mom standoff. So, if you. If, if, if that's what's going on in the world right now is we're all looking to see who's going to start panic buying or are we going to see a defla- deflationary pressure in that everybody stops buying because they need to pay their taxes and pay their rents and mortgages in Federal Reserve notes, in dollars. That's, that's one of the big questions. So economically, I think we have a little standoff going. But having the food on hand, you know, you, whether you can pay your mortgage or not, if you don't have, don't have the food, you can't eat, right? And right. back in the day... It, I mean, the messaging is so prevalent. It's so it's so out in our faces right now that I, you know, if this was President Monson or, or President uh, Hinckley or something, they, they always took advantage of talking about stuff like that. And we told you get out of debt. We told you, you know, you should have a year's supply and see. This is why the church is always taught. Da 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 da. da. I'm really surprised that the messaging is not stronger right now when when the climate. In, in in public discourse is so palpably m- telling us this is what's happening. And so you kind of, uh, it's kind of like, well, why, why are you guys not moving? Why are people not doing this? If that's really what's going to happen, why, why does it appear like everybody's just sitting around in a, in a standoff situation or is it that that's, that's not the case for uh, Mike Adams on this article that we're, this other article we're going to post called, um, the title was Doomsday Preppers Warn of Hard Times Ahead as Preparedness Goes Mainstream. Well, this, I've been seeing articles about preparedness going mainstream for years. A long time. A while now. It's, it's been a while. It was before COVID that the, the, the prepping was going mainstream. I think it's a post 9-11 type of a thing. Anyway, they were talking to a guy named Mike Adams, and he's, I'm, I'm not sure I would believe everything that that guy reports because you know, he, he's very, I think he's well-meaning, but often easily influenced by inflammatory information, okay? Anyway, he sells on, uh, food storage online, and he says that the demand for his products has been extremely high since the COVID-19 lockdown began in 2020. He said, Adams, Adams said it takes, on average, six to eight weeks to produce 2,000 buckets. These are food storage buckets, right? And they typically sell out within 30 minutes to three hours. Let that sink in again. Let me say that again. Mike Adams' company takes, on average, six to eight weeks to to assemble, to produce, to get all the supplies necessary for 2,000 of the Ranger buckets. I'm imagining these are six-gallon buckets that have food in them, probably not just wheat. And they typically sell out within 30 minutes to three hours. Alex Jones on InfoWars, they sell or used to sell food storage. 
they they only ha- can do it periodically because they don't have supplies of it to satisfy the demand uh, very often. So this, amongst a certain segment of the population, this is already taking over. People are buying and hoarding or storing, let's say storing, preparing. Hoarding is the term that the statists, the oligarchists, they, they want to use that to cast negative light on preppers when prepping is just a naturally responsible thing to do. Preparing, right? Well, that's what humans did for a bajillion years. <clears throat> you would have to do it every... You would spend every spring, spring and summer... And summer, yeah. Preparing, preparing to live for, for the, the harvest. And you'd harvest for the winter. Right. I mean, that's just the way it works. Keep in mind, too, uh, and I found a, a, a checklist that maybe we'll link to, but if, for all that food storage you buy... You gotta have water. It's a lot of it's pretty useless without water, especially the you know the freeze dried stuff. So you want water on hand, a, a lot of water, or at least a, a reliable water source. So you need to live near a lake, a river, have and, a well until it dries up. But then you need then you'll need how water. much water is enough water? How much water can you store in a suburban home? Uh, I mean, you could store a lot if you had gallon. You know, so you're talking about the 55 gallon drums? You could get those. You could get five, 10 gallon ones. What about a water filter? Yes. Have water filter, have chemicals to treat water. Um, have, you know, you can always boil it, but that means then you'll need something that burns, Burns. you know, a, a little camp stove, you know, the little, uh, what's that fuel called? Isobutane, the little camping ones that you can yeah, take backpacking. Stoves, a little rocket stove. Uh, something like that, and and I would also have fire starter. You ever use the steri pen out in the wild? Yeah, I've got one of those. Does that work? It works great if the source is um, somewhat clean. Like it works great in mountain streams that are flowing and mm-hmm. don't get a lot of sediment. It doesn't work as well in say like the Colorado River. Which I mean, it'll muddy. still kill the it'll still kill the bacteria, but then you're still drinking a lot of dirt sediment. <laughs> But they do work, and they're larger great. bacteria. <laughs> It'll kill all that stuff. It's just the, the water's muddy and sandy, right? It's yeah. But in, on a mountain, and maybe that doesn't bother you. Maybe drinking no, brown I don't like to water, drink dirt, but but there's other. You could filter. You could you run it through a strainer like a bandana, or SteriPen makes a little uh, kind of strainer type filter, which would clean it up the water a little bit. You ever use a Sawyer filter? <clears throat> I have. I have. I've used Sawyer's minis. When we went out on the uh, Highline Trail, we did Sawyer filters. Yeah. Those were pretty useful. I, when I was on the Highline, I took a MSR, little teeny MSR. It was awesome. It weighed like four ounces, a little hand pump. Yeah. And by day two, it was so clogged up that I had to use my buddy's SteriPen the rest of the trip. Oh, really? Our Sawyer's were pretty good. You can back yeah. uh, flow those. Yeah. I never had to back flow mine. Yeah, I've had good luck with Sawyer. Uh, MSR does make good products, and, and I probably needed to to figure out how to how to field dress or field maintain. Yeah, that, I, I've that used a catadin, cat- a little catadin mini uh-huh. with the ceramic filter. Those the ceramic filters are supposed to last a long time, and yeah. uh, they're harder to pump and stuff. I was I was surprised at how convenient it was to just grab a bag out of the stream, f- hook it to the Sawyer, and pump it right into my. Mm-hmm. water bottle we were we were using smart water bottles They've which got, are very light and durable there's available ones now you can install in line to your uh, like camelback or water f- bladder hose so you fill up your water bladder with source water and then just as you drink it it filters 
you just drink it right out. There's, yeah, there's like a, a little, straw. There's little straws. There's a lot of good, lightweight, pretty inexpensive water treatment options out there nowadays. You can buy <clears throat> these dome filters and you know get a couple of six-gallon buckets. They sell kits for these ceramic filters that approximate the Berkey water system. You know, the Berkey system is a really nice stainless steel container that has these expensive filters in it and a lot of people have them on their countertops i think they're what five or six hundred bucks now they're probably a thousand dollars now right. i don't know what they cost but um, they they're really great and that but it uh if you want you can get kind of the poor man's berkey and use plastic food grade buckets this list uh, recommends water flavoring i think that's an underrated but very good suggestion things like um like emergency yeah stuff like that <laughs> electrolyte um, some electrolytes I mean, I, I do this when I'm backpacking. Uh, I don't really like drinking plain water. I mean, uh, uh, so when we were on the Highland Trail, and I, I've, I've done a lot of other camping too, but uh, I really stopped liking the Zip Fizz or whatever I had mm-hmm. from Costco. It was like, oh, I think it might have been because it had caffeine in it. Did but you I only dre- bring I one dreaded, flavor? No, I brought like multiple flavors, but it was the same stuff. I yeah. should have gotten some different brand. I brought a whole like one gallon Ziploc full of different flavored stuff when I did the Highline because I know that like I, I'll do it. I'll drink plain water, but if I can, I'll put a little flavoring in it, especially some of those Uinta lakes taste a little fishy <laughs> if, you're, if you're filtering out of lakes. I prefer filtering out of a river, you know, a stream that's moving. I think that keeps everything cleaner. It keeps the taste better, and, and sometimes it can keep it colder, I think, because it's especially if you can filter out of so a shaded area that's been shaded it's fun 24-7. To go, yeah, it's fun to go practice this stuff in the woods, but remember, we're talking about uh, suburbia. Yeah, suburbia. I mean, here we have some rivers and streams, but they're, the flow is controlled. Like They're not oh, yeah. natural. Well, just imagine if everybody was going there to get water. Yeah, you, what, what, that's, that's the part, like, I think, I definitely think you should prepare. I think that these are good things to have, but how far is society away from a more significant breakdown? It took, three it took meals. Three meals, right? It's uh, nine meals, right? Three days without. Yeah. I mean, think about like. Without food. That's is, the difference between a hardened criminal and your elders quorum president is which, nine meals. Which is, yeah. Well, there's some truth to that not necessarily specifically to your elders quorum president, but just the fact that three days without food will make people do things that you never thought they would do. Which is why I said well, earlier... One, one meal without food will make some of our teenagers <laughs> very surly. <Exactly>. Surly. <laughs> which is why I said earlier, uh, have food that you can afford and defend because you might have to defend your home. You might have to. I hope none of us ever have to do that, but depending on where you live you might have to do that okay so but which that, that, I think that which is why right preppers your traditional kind of hardcore prepper has a bug out place they have a stash somewhere where they can go live like a bunker that they've dug in the woods somewhere or a, a cabin or something the, do you remember the big pre- uvu preparedness expo that they used to do down in uh mm-hmm. at uvu U- U- <laughs> U- <laughs> U- <laughs> valley university down in uvu uh 
I remember hearing a story from one of those speakers that uh, some guy had had a dream about what was about to happen. And so they went and took some food storage up in the mountains to bury it. And they uh, found somebody else's food storage when they were digging up there. So they had to move like 16, <laughs> what, 16 feet to the south and buried the, it there. What are the chances? <laughs> well, the, yeah, I mean... And I don't know if burying it's the best idea. I mean, you'd have. To, I would want to bury it in a container of some kind, right? Like a, a metal box or something. <laughs> um, well, the, we're we're getting we're getting way off into the the extreme scenarios, and people. The, that's another subject that would be interesting. There are uh, very credible people out there who have gifts or have have had dreams and and uh, premonitions, visions. What what would you say of really bad things happening and to be perfectly honest, I think a few of them listen to our podcast because I know them personally and I don't disbelieve them. The big question is when and how and how do, how do those yeah, I, uh, I, manifestations really play out in the real world? I saw a funny thing the other day. It had a bear. There was like a brown bear inside a convenience store and a guy kind of it was a still frame of like surveillance video and the guy was like, <laughs> oh, like you know, startled. And, by the and the caption said, Every man on the planet spends hours each day imagining how he would react in this situation. <laughs> and they're always scared. <laughs> well, we, you know, in our, in our minds, we're like, oh, I'd wrestle that bear to the ground and knock him out with a bottle of... But in reality, we all jumping Well, yeah, jumping I mean, backwards. if I was in a convenience store and I turned around and there was a bear, I would probably jump in surprise too. But I think the, 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 the larger kind of idea behind that is... I think we often we often picture ourselves in extreme situations, you know, like where we'd have to arm ourselves to go down to the creek to to fill the water buckets, you know, here in suburbia. Where is the creek? That's what I'm asking. They, they <laughs> yeah, well, they I, ain't I, no creek. Uh, there's some nearby. I mean, here there is. They don't flow year round. No, their their flow is controlled, and a lot of them are getting buried in, yeah. with pipes. And that's I mean, what I'm saying. But we do live close enough to mountains where we could walk to the mountains. You could you could go up to the mountains, get some water, and come back in a in a half a day or so with some help. You could get some. Remember, a gallon okay. of water. How so much my, do you think one gallon of water weighs? It's about eight pounds. Yeah, it's more than eight pounds. Eight point three pounds, according to this. Why do I website. know this? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy. If you carry five gallons, it's heavy. Um, but I I don't know that we'll get to a situation where it's you know. Uh, well, see, yeah, if you have to go up to the mountain to get the to get the water, imagine how many other people have to go up to right. the mountain. That's uh, the problem. Is you start to we, think about this, and people then start to throw their hands up in the air and say, "Oh, we're hosed. Wasatch, we're hosed. We can't do anything about this." The Wasatch Front has more than two million people, right? And, and you think the mountains are going to supply food and water for two million people? I mean, it's just not. And so the hunting options, the fishing options could, could dry up quickly. Right. So anyway, this, this whole discussion started with inflation and food scarcity. So are we just hoping to, to smooth out some bumps? Well, here, here again is, I don't think we're going to get to a point. We might, but I don't think we're going to get to a survival type situation where we're going to the mountains to hunt just to eat and live. Maybe in some areas of the world. Maybe even some places in the in the United States. I think instead it's going to be this uh, technocratic survival where we're where our privacies are gone, 
are currencies controlled. And it's going to be very hard for people who resist this new world order to buy and sell. To go, You're not going to be able to go to the grocery store and get uh, five pounds of ground beef because ground beef will not be available. You can go and get five pounds of soybeef or paste or whatever because that's what's going to be uh, more morally admissible. More, are you or, saying or ad- everybody, or ju- or there's people who are who are resisting won't be able to? Well, I don't think anybody will be able to go get meat. Oh, okay. I mean, that'll just be m- meats. Looks like meats not on the menu, boys. <laughs> right. That, that you know, of course, the elite will have access to it. Sure. Spencer Cox will still be able to pretend to, to be a, a gold, farmer. A gold flaked encrusted steak. Yeah. <laughs> That that he buys with taxpayer money for our own good. On his expense account. But, uh, you know, and again, I'm just running through scenarios where I, I don't think, I don't think there's any need for like the uh, survival of the fittest situation. But, okay, what, but what, where the preparedness is going to come in handy is that certain things that won't be available for, for a long you're, time you're, or you're permanently, saying, you can still have at least for a while. Obviously, a, a freezer full of meat it's going to be emptied eventually. Yeah. But you're, you're saying, you're thinking chances are that it won't be. You're not saying it's not possible. The of, survival of course, of the anything's possible. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're saying you're hedging on the side of a, a situation where the society doesn't totally collapse. What do you think the chances are it will totally collapse? In the United States? Mm, In po- areas of the United States or... I mean, I think in some areas it's already kind of doing that. I think big cities, like, like the, you know, the biggest cities, like Philadelphia comes to mind. I think that's already happened. I think those cities are yeah, collapsing not, yeah, in they, parts they of those cities. They still have operating police forces. That's uh, kind, like of, a, kind of. They, we call it the without rule of law scenario. If you're talking about like a full-on like movie kind of scenario, Well, that's the thing is you've got to, I hope that you guys uh, that are listening are kind of thinking through this. Like, what would it take to get to an I am legend scenario? Well, then everybody has to die. A bunch of zombies have to arrive because they took the vaccine. By the way, that was what happened. There was a cancer vaccine and uh, they all turned into zombies. There's no way that. And then Will Smith had to fight them all off. There's no way that, Um, there's no way that, (laughs) there's no way that the whole world would be forced to take a vaccine. So that right out the door, <laughs> right that's... The plus, I don't... Why didn't he just slap the zombies? He could have just slapped them. Instead, he wasted bullets trying to shoot them when he could have just told the zombies to keep his name out their mouths and slap them. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> okay, so th- you're thinking through what, what might, the possibilities, what might happen. And, and if you've been on this prepper path before or for a while, I think a lot of us come to the conclusion well, that, well, hey, if I prepare for nuclear war, like just full-on total societal collapse and nuclear war, then I'm covered in all the scenarios, which is a little extreme, but it makes sense, right? Like, is there, well, is there a possibility we could have nuclear war? Yeah. Yes. Like probably more so than ever be- before in our history, uh, you know, at least the last 50 years, 70 years. I think there's a there's a nuclear war chance index out there, and it's never been hmm. higher or whatever they measure it. We maybe we, maybe we can look that up. 
But of course, right now, that's because, right, there's a nuclear power. Russia is, is waging war in Ukraine, right? And NATO nations, many of which have nukes, including the largest arsenal on the planet here in the United States that we know of, is being goaded into this war, and it, it, it could quickly escalate, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole warning. That's people saying, hold on, hold on. This is a local thing. Maybe we should uh, not automatically escalate this. Well, okay, so so yeah, if you prep for war, large-scale war, you're going to be covered in a lot of scenarios. But if, if you really become fully prepped for that, that's that's a tough situation. You're You're then like, living in an, in the countryside instead of in a in suburbia you know you you you're making some significant changes if you're really going to fully prep for that type of a situation so i think as a lot of us have gone through this we take half measures we make compromises and we try to prep for the the most likely scenarios right and so we've we've seen in the last couple of years that that some of the scenarios that maybe we didn't think were likely are maybe more likely and and more pr- possible or even probable than we would have previously wanted to admit in our heart of hearts. And so, so now I think you see a lot of, that's why you see a lot more preppers out there. And so we've talked about food and water, which is your basic, the, the, the things you really need right off the bat. Uh, I, I know people who would add into that air, You, you know, you've got your, your basic needs, which is air, food, and water. In it's in that's the wrong order. It's air, water, and then food, mm-hmm. because you can live without food for longer than you can live without water. But you can't live without air, and so therefore, they will purchase things like nuclear, biological, chemical gas masks. They, they call that an NBC. I I just have those or a blue CBR I have those gas bl- masks. Blue surgical cloth masks. Those are the same. Are those stop mustard gas. Don't worry those about that. Those are the same. Yeah. And if those fail, I've got lots of those um, bandana pol- things. The, yeah, like neck the, gaiters. Yeah, uh, and I, some of them have like fish printed on them. They're they're fine. Yeah, if it'll stop bathroom smells, it'll stop a nuclear attack. <laughs> but there there are a lot of other things, you know, on this list, right? There's medications. There, there's uh, things like uh, you know first aid kits, hygiene kits, uh, epipens, uh, dental supplies. Uh, you know, uh, communications, right? Have radios. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe you don't think about. Right. Everyone focuses on the food storage, and that's obviously important. But the food doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you're injured or sick. Right. Or, if you're if you're already into this and you've been looking at, at the internet, there are plentiful copious resources, and I hope they're still searchable. You know, I think you can still find this information. I just searched it and it came up with this one from American Outdoor Guide, AmericanOutdoor.guide. And it seems to be pretty good. I, I think most of these, you're going to find similar items on, on most of these things. And I think, I think checklists are great. When I pack for big back, backpacking trips or bike trips or things, I have a checklist, right? And I go down and make sure I have the ne- necessary things I need because otherwise little things will get left behind. And then you're out in the mountains and you realize, I didn't bring, I didn't bring my uh, pen. How did I forget that? And another thing is you kind of have to plan to go through your stuff every once in a while. Because if you've been prepping for 10 years or 20 years or whatever, your stuff may be 
not not only expired or out of date or unusable, but you might have used it before. You forget what right. you've done. Like I've I've got you know if, when I travel, I'll take tools and stuff like that. And sometimes I'm surprised that I've rated my own kits enough times that I'm out of say a tire puncture kit mm-hmm. uh, rubber piece that you use to fix a tire, or it's or or they've gone bad or you know, we're missing, we're missing thus and such because I used it on a camping trip and it's like, Oh man, yeah, I don't have that. I'm going to have to go get one of those. So the, one of the questions at the back of my mind right now is you can only prepare for so much time, right? Let's say you've got enough stuff to kind of live independently of the system for, let's say eight months to a year, depending on the size of your family or whatever. What do you do when your freezer full of meat is empty, when your freeze dried is gone, when your well, see, stores this per- are all dried up. This you, supposes that the water all. supply stays available because if right. you have to walk to the if you have to walk a mile to get water, that's societal breakdown. In my well, opinion. and that's where that if you were an evil conspiring overlord, you could really put a crimp <laughs> in the prepper scene if you just contaminated water sources. Right? You could they thinking of the 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 river that comes tumbling out of the mountains here and then mysteriously disappears into pipes and stuff they that could be contaminated really easily you just dump sewage in it and it's done right you could you could do this if if this was sort of a warfare situation the enemy or whoever is waging these wars could contaminate a lot of major water sources all you'd have to do is you know there's a there's probably 25 you know uh, significant reservoirs in the United States that supply millions of people with their water if they could cut that supply off it would really cut off a lot of the prepper stuff especially well, it, it you know get, give, given enough time right cuz people are going to store maybe maybe 6 months worth of water in a 55 gallon drum or two do you realize how much water you use every day bobby how many drums that would take well, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be able to bathe much. You, you, okay. you would basically, your water would be used in that kind of situation. You would use it for drinking and cooking. You need, a, you need about a gallon a day per person, if I understand it right, if right. you're not going to bathe. Right. And I mean, you could live on less, right? If you were in a hunkered down situation, so it's, you, you wouldn't need to drink a gallon. If you've got a family of five, that's 11 days worth of water in one 55-gallon drum. Yeah. If you were using a gallon a if day. If you were using it sparingly. Because so, you got to drink it, right? So you're 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 helping emphasize my point is that they could cut all of this off at the pass, so to speak, by just contaminating water sources. Um, but you were saying, what happens when the preps run out? Well, that's they, right. Yeah. So let's say that happens, and in, in, in your year supply is actually made turn useless or next to useless, and only lasts you a few days because of water, or you last that year, and then what? Did we just, is that where we just succumb to the system and go get our chip implanted in our heads so we can participate in the marketplace? So again? you're imagining a scenario where you're, where society continues, but you're using your stuff because you've been excluded from the, the economy in a certain way. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you can sort of partially participate, right? But you still can't go to the grocery stores because you're I think un- in that un- scenario, vaccinated. Huge, I think in that scenario, a huge black market emerges like you you find somebody who's vaccinated to buy your stuff yeah that could work but but the vaccinated people we're using vaccinated in quotes the you know the the clean people the the tattooed people like uh, idiocracy you just have a tattoo that you scan for everything 
but they're going to be limited in what they can buy as far as quantity and and uh, so they how won't, often they won't. This is presupposing again a digital currency that's tracking everything. Even without a digital currency, they could still track what they, they, you. They'll be limited to two gallons of milk, so they weren't. They're not going to buy you milk. They'll buy. They'll buy their milk. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like it's like trying to get the guy. You know, the the guy that's going into the gas station to buy the beer for the miners, right? Like. It might might work once or twice, but people are going to figure that out. But now, if everything's tracked, it's like, hey, well, you just you got your rations of milk and chocolate. And when you first said that, I was thinking of prospectors, like you know, gold miners. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I guess they do drink. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's like I think the mechanisms, the infrastructures in place, or being built and put in place to make it really hard regardless of what you've got cashed away and maybe you can flee to the mountains or somewhere off in the middle of nowhere for a time but eventually your supplies will run out so i think a lot of a lot of people move to the countryside and start farming they want to farm so they can produce their own food and and deal with people who also have better self-sufficiency situations and that that gives them resiliency against that type of a control yeah. grid in, until the water supplies are contaminated you know that some of the natural water supplies i think you could really you could ease not easily but with the assuming that the world powers that kind of take over have the resources of modern governments they could really do a number on on natural water supplies mm-hmm. where the only water you're allowed to have is the water that's provided by them it doesn't come out of your faucet it's you got to go buy bottles of it it wouldn't be bottles probably pouches because there, there was an interesting environmental there was an interesting documentary <laughs> done about um control of water supplies a few years back called quantum of solace james bond quantum of solace was a documentary about how the <laughs> elites wanted to control the water supplies and what lengths they were going to to do that and how it affected poor people and well, wa- water stuff. rights here in the west are are very serious I mean, that's something that people go to blows over. People, you know, people ruin friendships and, you know, have a lot of small town city council and county commission arguments over. I've, I have a small, small little experience with that. And it's, it's a hot topic because water is how these people make a living. You know, these farmers and ranchers, especially a small farm that has water rights to one small stream or river that cuts through their property and also 40 other farms, you know, Mm -hmm. if the guy upstream's taken more than he's supposed to, that affects everybody downstream. And so, yeah, water rights and water in general are kind of an underrated issue. Something that we just sort of take for granted. Well, yeah, an apocalypse, we'll just go and get water from the river. This system that we live in is very complicated, and so uh, th- this type of discussion can cause people to throw their hands up in the air, like I said, and just back off and say, well, we can't prepare for everything, so let's not prepare very much. I, I think both Bobby and I would recommend, and you can disagree or agree here, that you get a bunch of food. Get a bunch of food and get the means to filter water and store some water because there's a wide variety of situations where you might need that. And uh, right now it's looking like most likely it will help you to smooth out some of these inflationary or supply chain right. type of shocks 
if thing if things get really weird because what we did see what we have seen is that during hurricanes in the south and um other types of natural disasters and on black fridays <laughs> so the day after thanksgiving and uh in march of 2020 that americans definitely can get the picture that they're not going to be able to get something like food not just right. toilet paper remember it was food right there for a while and then they'll run on the stores so the run on the stores is a real thing i don't think i don't think i have to qualify that in any way shape or form we could definitely see runs on stores at any point in time and there's if the people get get the wrong idea i think we we often as we've done here but today kind of focus on like a, a post-apocalyptic scenario right and i think that's worth talking about but i think too right now for some people there's probably people among us that are already dipping into their food storage because they can't afford the the number of groceries the amount the of gas. groceries or they can't afford gas or they're just th- things are so tight that they need to dip into these reserves right there's probably your neighbors are doing this and there's a few things i think that are financially viable that you can do to help combat this one of them is to if if you it's hard to go to the grocery store right now and buy enough beef that's going to make any kind of measurable difference. They don't really sell in bulk at your local grocery store, plus it's really expensive. But if you live in the West, you probably know somebody who owns cattle or know somebody who knows somebody. Start networking, finding people, seeing if you can get a few neighbors, a few families. Find five families to go in on a cow. I don't mean buying the cow and letting him graze in your yard although i was driving down the road here recently very close by and it was dark and there was a cow in someone's front yard and i i thought i <laughs> i was take. like yeah it's like and i don't know if the cow had wandered off cuz you know we kind of live in a s- sort of we live in an old farming community and there's still little pockets right of cattle and things i don't know if it just gotten loose and was wandering or if the guy had it tied up in his front yard but <clears throat> You probably know somebody who knows somebody whose grandpa owns cattle and will let you go in on a side of beef or a quarter of a cow. Fine. You can do that and usually save some money and you can kind of bypass the normal supply chain. There's a lot of local farmers and ranchers that you can do that. You can get food directly from these guys. Um, Supporting the farmers' markets are a good idea when they're out. For sure. There's this whole movement of uh, local, like local support know where your food comes from. Um, I know here in Utah, there's quite a few options if you want to look into that. Um, another thing is uh, uh, learn how to hunt. I mean, I mean, hunting is, if you're a successful deer or elk hunter, now if you live in Utah, don't bother because I don't want any more people out there hunting against me. <laughs> but no, it, it, it can be a fairly inexpensive way to get a lot of meat you know a, a, a bull elk will supply two to three hundred pounds of meat i mean that's a lot of meat it'll last you over a year depending on how often you eat it and how big your family is and an elk tag if you're a, a resident is 50 bucks now you got to go out and find the elk and shoot it and all that but there are all their other alternatives that can help um, with the current kind of in, uh, situations we're in, right? Go go look at the cost of meat at the grocery store. It's like it's like fourteen dollars a pound. 
in, in some scenarios. Now you can buy, there's cheaper meat, right? Different cuts of meat and all that. But it's like, if you want to go buy a couple of steaks, you're going to spend 40 bucks for, you know, a couple sirloins. It's absurd. Okay. So, so I think we've hit the, the food thing pretty hard. I think that's very, very important. And it makes sense to talk about that first. <clears throat> Unfortunately, um, the rest of the kind of stuff you got to, you got to buy from stores, right? You can't go make your own, uh, EpiPens, you know, or your own CPAP machines or, you know, things like that. Yeah. If you need technology that you're kind of dependent on, you probably ought to have, uh, have that on hand and have a replacement possibly on hand just in case if it's the type of thing that might break. Uh, they say one is none and two is one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right. Going back to my can opener point. Yeah, that's a good point. The can opener was exactly that. But what about like uh, economic preparedness? Like right now, I mean, used to be it'd say save some money for a rainy day, but is that money? I, I, I'm really torn. I, you know, if I really thought that we were going to have the type of inflation we had over the last year, I would have bought a lot of stuff a year ago. And yeah. everybody would have bought real estate, right? Everybody would have, if we would have seen this coming, everybody would have been, uh, they would have bought Bitcoin 18 months ago. Well, speaking of real estate, I think that's why people like Larry Fink at BlackRock and Bill Gates have bought a ton of land in real estate. I mean, there's a good chance that if, if some homes in your neighborhood were sold over the last two years, there's a good chance BlackRock owns one of them. Hmm. Uh, or and maybe renting it, huh? Yeah. So what they do is they'll they'll buy it up, at, you know, and then they'll re- either rent it out or resell it you know, at you know with crazy interest rates and all that stuff. And you know, these guys aren't playing by the same rules that you are or me. Yeah, they get money cheaper. So they get these cheap loans, then they buy up the real estate, then they sell it back to some schmuck. So like us. Well, my, my question for you and for some financial clairvoyant prophet out there, please come and rescue us here. But what, what's going to happen next? Have we already seen the inflation and those guys have taken advantage of it by getting the cheap loans from the government and buying everything up? Because if, if we're going to see hyperinflation, it makes sense to leverage up your credit cards, leverage up everything, buy everything that you possibly can, which will, which will jack... See, when, when, when that kind of demand enters the marketplace, it will jack the prices of everything sky high, and that will almost be the end of the currency if it goes too fast. Then the government has to go, go in and enact price controls, right? There's been... So I saw something, uh, a headline that Germany was getting ready to in, invoke price controls. Did you see well, there that? Well, there was a comment on Zero Hedge about how German retailers were about to jack the prices of food between 20 and 50%. Right, and, maybe that's blame what it I saw. On the war. Right. They were, they were going to blame it on the war. But what I'm saying is, what do we think is going to happen here? Because I can see it both ways. I can see the potential for a deflationary shock. There's also a stagflationary shock, which means that the economy slows down and people can't buy anything because the prices are too high, or continued inflation, you know? And I think that's yeah, hyperinflation or, or significant inflation would qualify as stagflation because we've got a stagnant economy already. But if that's the case, then if, if, you're, if, if you're preparing, you can't really, you don't want to save your money because your dollar becomes worth 90 cents at the end of the year or 
85 cents or something. And within a couple of years, you're looking at 70% of, of the value that you had saved a few years ago. And so uh, you, people would say, well, put it in the stock market, put it into gold and silver, whatever. What do, you, what do we do here, Bobby Flood? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I'm fairly financially uh, illiterate. I mean, I understand basics, right? I, I think the stock market is a risky prospect at this time. I've I've tinkered with the stock market. I think it's really cool. I think it's fun. I think it's also so broken right now that n- none of the normal kind of fundamentals that we used to rely on about whether or not a stock would be a good investment, I, it all seems broken. It all seems like a casino at this point. I mean, look at like GameStop, right? There's nothing that would... There's nothing that would, would, would that would make you want to invest in GameStop. Casino is a good word, but GameStop became this huge thing last year, right? Because yeah, of, it, it seems like it, uh, the whole thing is now about public perception. That's what. Well, and it's manipulated. The, 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 the market is heavily manipulated by big players, guys who can go in and pump and dump, and you know some smart people. Say Elon Musk. Right, he does it all the time. He 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 does that all the time. Um, he does it with his own. He says, company. Should, "Should I should I sell my stake in Tesla? Yes or no?" And then he's meanwhile he's selling it right. behind the scenes, and then right. And I think he did the same thing with Twitter. Right. Then he, the price falls once everybody realizes he's serious about it. Hey, should I start my own thing? No, no, you should buy Twitter. Oh, maybe I should buy some buy Twitter. And he buys Twitter, and he probably bought it at twenty nine or thirty dollars a share. And now it's up into the 40s. Well, when he announced that he bought it, that caused the price to go up, which right. is interesting because it it, it, it was in a yeah, and it was in a downward slide. I'm 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 curious how he was able to get three billion dollars worth while it was him buying tanking because that, that would have caused it, upward pressure. It doesn't change the fact that Twitter is still highly censoring people. It doesn't change the fact that it's not great, uh, like in financial great financial shape. But you said, what do we do? I mean, I, th- I think metals could be a good, a, a good investment, gold and silver. I, I think but the reason metals are a good investment, right, is because it's something that you, could, you can use in times of uh, where your dollar is unavailable or not worth very much. You could, so that- gold and silver has innate value and you could trade, you know, you have a finite amount of it. I think uh, another good thing to do is to have some trade skills that would be useful in a situation where you can't go out and be a computer coder or a digital marketing specialist or any of these other sort of digital jobs that are out there that you've, you know, that have been very lucrative. Can you chop wood? Can you go out and chop wood in exchange for uh, flour? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, things like that. Can you? Uh, repair cars can you what are the high paying jobs long, in, the, in the decline of society repair jobs probably repairing fixing things we got a lot of stuff if you could fix stuff you might be you might be really yeah. um, handy assuming we still have the internet as we know it i mean maybe you could still be like a coder type but i think that's going to be it's going to be real hard having someone pay you to do that kind of stuff when they're just trying to get food and shelter and keep their homes heated. So may, maybe... Uh, one, of the, one of the problems with the economy is that it can get into kind of a death spiral where, you know, food or whatever 
prices of goods and services becomes too expensive for people to buy them, and so therefore people stop buying them, and then companies go out of business, and people lose their jobs, and less people buy them, but the prices remain high because everything's scarce. That that's a that's a stagflationary spiral, and uh, in that in that kind of a situation, you know you can't right you can't get stuff you can't you can't do stuff you definitely need some additional skills and so everything becomes a lot everything more just simplified slows way down simplified in the sense that hey i have this thing i have this bag of flour i'll trade it to you for those eggs you know so a barter type economy but to have eggs means you'd have to have chickens so maybe having a, a knowing how to build chicken coops would be a good idea or breed chickens or sheep or pigs you know <laughs> i think we it would be an interesting scenario where we went we sort of reverted back to a pre 1960 or 90 or maybe world war ii american economy which was mostly most people were farmers agrarian is what they would call that right except we're in an urban setting right so you'd have a bunch of little micro farms well you had that during world war ii also that people they had the freedom gardens the liberty gardens mm-hmm. you know and so people would start doing their own gardening wherever they could. Gardening's another one. Having seeds on hand is a good idea. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was the state of Michigan bizarrely outlawed the buying of seeds when the COVID shutdowns happened. Uh, I mean, what, what's that got to do with COVID, right? But they didn't want people buying seeds. At, at that time, you can buy seeds on Amazon. Um, you can buy like a, a seed pack. April 2020, Michigan bans many stores from selling seeds, home gardening supplies, and calls them not necessary. Yeah, those were unessential. That was, that was Forbes. <clears throat> food is unessential because <laughs> that's what seeds are, right? It's food. Um, that's one thing. I was looking into buying some seeds and I never bought any in any meaningful quantity, but that might be another thing to have on hand and then knowing how, knowing what kind of vegetables will will grow i'll tell you what if you have your a garden climate. you got to try it i mean because you might be sorely disappointed when you try to plant the stuff that it doesn't uh, quite work out having a garden is hard work that's why yeah. nobody does it yeah like that, w- that was another thing that, that was part that's of the lds point. culture right it was to food storage stay out of debt have a garden well, do you remember when we had steak farms and stuff yeah and you'd go dig the carrots at the farm and yeah, I lived Talk my, about like I remember be, I remember having these conversations about having to do this steak farm assignment and one of the guys is like, well, you know, we should we should build a bowling alley. That's what <laughs> that would bring in the money here. We we wouldn't have to do this digging if we the steak owned a bowling alley instead of this damn farm. Yeah, well the point wasn't to make money or to entertain people with these. It was to supply the church with food, right? The right, bishop's that was the welfare house. program. The idea was we would have food. My house, Which is one of the really nice things about the whole Bishop Storehouse program. It was about food. My house growing up was basically surrounded on three sides by steak, apple orchards, and we would go out there every fall and pick apples. And we'd have those chest harnesses that kind of look like the things a paperboy wears, and you'd fill this thing up with apples, and then you'd go and put them in a big wooden bin, and then you'd go back and do it again and again. And mm-hmm. it was all it was kind of a fun way for the stake to come together it was there was a sense of community that that no longer exists in that way in the church culture did you ever end up stuffing newspapers for the church 
Because uh-uh. that was one of the things we did as a fundraiser so. <laughs> out in, uh, you know, South Salt Lake Valley. We had a, you know, if, when you wanted to raise money for the kids or the scouts or, or the whatever the word program was, somebody had a relationship with one of these newspaper uh, advertisement places. And so we would go and stuff we would like organize the inserts that would get put into the newspaper. Like you remember how the newspaper, stuff. the ads didn't come in the mail. They came c- bundled in your paper, right. which was bundled up with an elastic or sometimes pla- stuck yeah. in a plastic bag back when people got the paper. Yeah. If, if they would look like there was going to be bad weather, they would do you the courtesy of putting it in a plastic bag. So you right. didn't get a soggy ruined newspaper. Well, then some guy would r- drive along, you know, in his car, tossing them out onto your driveway. And then the skid, yeah. it would get like a skid. Yeah. Or kid on a paper in a in yeah, a bicycle. It would skid across the pavement and then. Did you'd you get have a, little a paper bit of water in there? No, I never had a paper I, route. I, never I know did people either. that had paper routes. I looked into it once and it just, it, for some reason, I, it didn't work out for me to do it. But yeah, I think it's a it's a hard thing because you it's an everyday thing and you don't earn that much money. Yeah, and you're up early. And in some uh, cases, the kids have to go around and ask for payment and. Right, you don't want a kid and, to be a shark. <laughs> well, yeah, these poor kids. Uh, what was that? Uh, Better off dead. I want my two dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the paper boys chasing him around. <laughs> but the, those church farms were; uh, those have all been sold off. They're all subdivisions now. Um, high schools, parking lots. You know the the city, Utah County, Southern Utah County used to be just orchard upon orchard upon orchard, and those are almost completely gone now. And there was a lot of little family farms, family. We called them fruit stands. Uh, little, little, you know, in, in, during the summer, they would open up and they would sell corn and apples and other things that were harvested on that, right in the back, back of the tin shed that was the fruit stand. There was an orchard or a farm and you could go and buy local produce. You could also, it was a good place to go get candy and garbage pail kids and baseball cards. And those are... Garbage fail kids. That's yeah, I remember a long those. Time ago, those little places are basically gone, and it's kind of sad, really, because those were fun little places to go. They were local. They were you knew the, in many cases, you knew the people. Like, oh yeah, they're in our stake. Yeah, we times helped have changed them dramatically. We, we helped them pick apples. You know, these are the apples I picked. See, see, Brigham Young and the Saints came out here after Joseph's death. That about half about half of the Mormons left Nauvoo. That's another thing we never really talk about in the LDS Church is that. About half of the people that were following Joseph Smith came out here, and there were a bunch of other offshoots, good people, right? Had differing opinions from from Brigham Young. Well, Brigham comes out here, and everybody that came out here, we we basically established had to establish self sufficiency, you know. And so they had set up everything that they needed. And then when the railroad came through, there was a lot more trade and and uh, goods flowing here through it through the West. But at at the time when all these areas were divided up and it was decided who was going to go where Brigham had sent people all over the place, even people down to St. George to grow cotton. The idea was we needed to be able to figure out how to get all the stuff we needed as a group. Racist. <laughs> cotton is racist. Well, Brigham Young, of course, yeah, is racist, you can't, right? You can't grow cotton without being called a racist and you can't name the... You can't call it Dixie, Dixie. because what? of cotton. Anyway, cotton's racist. <laughs> So, but the, the, you know, there was also a lot of um, vineyards and grapes grown for alcohol back before the Heber J. Grant era. Just let me throw that out there. So, <laughs> well, yeah, there, and the, I think your point is that 
people went to harsh conditions, harsh landscapes, and learned how to grow and beef self-sufficient. And what, what One thing that they had that we don't have is they had land. They had tons and tons and tons of land and not a lot of people on that land. Yeah, land, land is still... And they had water. Who, who said, you know, buy land, they're not making any more of it? Yeah. Um, I don't remember who said that. Maybe we'll Lex look it Luthor, up. <laughs> I think, in uh, Superman, wasn't it? When he concocts I, this plot to, to knock it, the western part of California into the ocean and he buys all the land? I think it was Mark Twain, maybe. Oh, well, but, I, I, I'm going to attribute it to Lex Luthor. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's quoting that, maybe Mark Twain. Maybe he says that. Maybe he doesn't. I can't remember. <laughs> well, it is interesting that you watch what these elites buy, right? You know, they, they, they're preaching climate change while also buying beachfront properties. Yeah. But I, I was at Disney World last year, one in Florida, right? And they have this, this carousel of progression, carousel of progress. Have you ever been on that? Uh, we've been boycotting Disney for a long time. So this, we went on this because it's one of those, it's not a ride, it's more of a stage show, but it kind of moves. But it's nice because it's a soft chair. It's dark. You can kind of take a rest while still doing something. This is a really old one. Do they have one at Disneyland? They might. I think I might it is an older one. It's like animatronics. And I was watching it last year, you know, uh, and feeling kind of sad because it starts off with like an American family in, I don't know, maybe the late 1800s or something. I don't remember when it picks up, but you, you see that the, the, the carousel of progress as they progress through kind of the industrial revolution and how the, the family becomes more and more urban in the sense that they go from farming and self-sufficiency and stuff's hard, right? It's, things take a long time, laundry, cooking, everything's hard to at the end where everything's convenient. They're p- watching TV and playing video games. And I, I don't know how it's not, even it doesn't even go up to like the present day. It kind of stalls out in the eighties ish. It kind of seems like no social really, media, right? It's glued to cell phones. But it makes it kind of make. I'm not saying that we should go back to like revert technologically, but I think there's a lot of good things that a lot of good things uh, aspects of that that we've lost, like generational. Um, You're saying we need to connect to the soul and the soil. <laughs> Spencer Cox is never connected to anything <laughs> like that. But but yes, in a way, I think it's important to know where your food comes from. I think it's important to know um, who your local farmers are. And, and local farmers are getting pushed out, right, by the big conglomerates. And everything's being commoditized and big, right? You could put big in front of just about every industry anymore. Big tech, big pharma, big this, big that. And mostly what that means is people who don't live in your community owning your community. I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to, including your, the food production, the, the money supply, the, the businesses, right? It was interesting. What, who, who got to stay open during the COVID shutdowns? Well, it wasn't the local <laughs> hardware store, but it was Home Depot. Don't go to the Lowe's. beach. Go to Walmart where everyone is. <laughs> Why are you here on this deserted beach? <laughs> right. The sheriff's. Escorting the guy, uh, the surfer off of the beach. Right. And anyway, watching that stupid carousel of progress, I just thought there's something, there's things that have been lost that we've traded away for convenience and speed and definitely 
prosperity that we'll never get back. And, and sometimes I wonder if maybe it was, if it was a good trade or not. And of course, well, I think it's a good trade right up until it's not. <laughs> right. Like, maybe nope. we're starting to go into that era where we're understanding yeah, gardening it's not. Is, gardening is hard work, but, and, and it's nice to sit around and do the things you want to do and read and study or watch TV or whatever. But, uh, well, and, and the, the guy talking about the millennials who've never known a, you know, a want for anything. I mean, he brings up a good point. I mean, if you want a salad, what do you do? You go to Harmon's and you go to the salad bar. Or you go to the Smiths or Harmons or Macy's or wherever, and you buy ingredients. You don't even for have to it. chop your head of lettuce anymore. You no, buy you, a kit. You can buy a salad kit. You can buy a pre-made salad that has sliced mandarin hard, hard-boiled <laughs> eggs already. You know, you know, and that's all great and it's convenient. But what if you want a salad and that stuff's not available? You can't go to the grocery store to buy that stuff, or it's too expensive for you. What if you want anything? You know, it's the eye pencil thing, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have a really, pre- I don't think we have a, an appreciation for where stuff comes from. And I, so, I, I think it's important to reconnect with that. So if we're talking about recommendations or suggestions from us here on the podcast today, I would say first and foremost, get some of those basic needs taken care of so that you have a, a, a little bit of a supply socked away to weather the, the interim storms. But secondly, start asking yourself, what habits do we have to change? Do, don't we need to fundamentally change how we're operating in our lives and, and incorporate some of these self-sufficiency ideas into it, like starting a garden this year? Maybe now's a really good time to think about, are you going to grow a little food this year? You yeah. don't have to grow enough for your whole family, but to just try it out. If you, if you don't normally do it, just to try out gardening and say, hey, I'm going to do these tomatoes. I'm going to take... Like a good experiment is to try to get heirloom seeds to work over a two-year period. Mm -hmm. So get some heirloom seeds, plant a bunch of tomatoes or beans or whatever, harvest them, eat a bunch of them, and then try to replant the seeds next year and see if it all works out. Those those are good things to experiment with. And you don't have to tear up your backyard to do that. You You can can buy a box a box garden. Yeah, you don't have to start huge, but start somewhere. Start somewhere. Do something. And maybe start in shifts. You know, maybe acknowledge the fact that when you plant, um, that the you start the clock on the on the plant and the growth and the and the fruit or the vegetables that are gonna grow, and that you might not want them all to come online, so to speak, to, to ripen is the, is the old word. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you might not want them all to ripen at the exact same time in the fall. And so you might need to be more strategic about it. I've in, in years past done better and worse at this, you know, depending on the year as I've tried to garden and I, I'm not a very good gardener and I haven't done it a lot, but uh, I remember one year being strategic about it and getting a nice little crop going that would, would uh, ripen at different times. And then another, another year, it's like I wanted a garden, but I couldn't figure out or I couldn't bring myself to do it or whatever. I, it was too much work and I didn't do it until the last minute. And then I planted a bunch of stuff and all at the same time. And it was the worst garden. It was, a, but it was one of my biggest square footage uh, experiments. And it, when it failed miserably because I didn't take the, the consistent time and effort to manage it and do it. You have to, so it's, every week, you've got to be giving it some it's attention. It's April 4th. Is it too late to plant here in well, North America? In Utah, you want to be planted by Mother's Day. So there's still time. And you, and different plants vary a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like your, 
uh, depending on the type of plant, you may have already needed to start it. Do you remember Chaz or Chop? <coughs> Excuse me. The little self-autonomous zone in Seattle that a bunch of weirdos took over. And yeah. Remember that? Remember we don't the, talk about that anymore. Do you remember the... Yeah, they don't want you to remember that people were raped and murdered there. But do you remember the garden they tried to make? They laid out blue tarps and no. put some dirt on it. Dirt on top of the soil or dirt on top of the tarp and then tried to plant vegetables. I assume it failed miserably. <laughs> How long were they going? For like th- a month? Three yeah, weeks? something like that. I, I, I'm sure we could find a picture of their garden. And I just remember thinking, man, this, this the mainstream media has taken this crap seriously. And these guys thought they were going to create this autonomous zone. And it ended up just being basically a, a homeless encampment with a lot of crime. Well, we're up to our two hours. Should we wrap this up? Well, I, I think we want to kind of synopsize the the suggestions here. I I I want to stress. I mean, we've already talked about food and and getting started on gardening or something like that. Getting started on local, getting getting to know your local people, get, doing something, just doing something for self sufficiency in I, your in your own household and your own family. One thing that needs to be mentioned is just networking. Find some neighbors who could you could collaborate with on some of this stuff maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're growing the tomatoes and i'm growing the carrots or um you know just people that in a situation or at least you can compare notes right and in a situation it's like hey i trust you first of all that you're not going to raid my house and uh, mm-hmm. kill kill my kids for my free dried stroganoff but also may, yeah you can collaborate you can compare notes you can uh, if you could get you you, you might even you know, an idea was presented recently of going in with 10 or 12 families on acres of land in a remote place, right? A place where we could create a, a compound kind of Bobby thing. Flood's Galt Gulch. <laughs> Bobby and, Flood presents Galt Gulch. And that might be something that um, you like. That might be an idea that makes sense for you and your family to have 25 acres somewhere off the, off the beaten path where you could grow... Uh, you know, have a farm, have some, you can well, build homes. You I think could, for a lot of people, you, the, the, the further you go down the road here, the further it starts to look out of reach. So I just want to say, right. get get some food and water, start to be strategic about that. If you don't already have it, and if you do, start looking at what you have and get it organized and then do something, do something about self-sufficiency. And I think Catherine Austin Fitz's advice to create a time budget is really, really sage wise advice. She has this idea that, look, we spend so much time focusing on the media and all the stuff that's going crazy around us. You need to budget your time and you need to strategically schedule yourself to get done the things you think that are going to be important. Her example was she had uh, advised one of her clients not to watch the, the 2020 campaign too excessively. She said, allow yourself a certain number of hours, and the, the woman allowed herself nine hours, of watching political garbage a day no <laughs> completely right like right during the whole thing and right. and she spent the rest of her time building a greenhouse and at the end of the at the end of the situation she she sent in her vote whatever we got joe biden as president and this woman has an excellent greenhouse which is doing her votes. a lot more better which is doing her a lot more good than uh the presidency, which she wasn't speak, able to control that, the outcome. That jogged of. a uh, thought that I read today, a uh, headline, and um, 
it used to be that to to for a farmer to fertilize, uh, what was the number of acres? Did you see this? It used to cost two hundred dollars to fertilize X number of acres. Of acres. Now it's costing up to two thousand dollars to fertilize the same amount of ground. Really? Like, like that's crazy. That's ten ten times, right? Well, this is what you happen. This is what happens when you purposefully globalize the world economy and then destroy the world economy. It it causes massive kinks in supply chains and stuff. It might have been in that same article that we we've talked about the uh, the prepper one prepper going mainstream. But yeah, I mean that that's one of the reasons that there's going to be food shortages is because farmers can't afford. To grow mm-hmm. the same amount of food. I mean, if your budget last year was two hundred dollars for fertilizer, and now it, it's going to cost two thousand yeah. dollars, that that's going to put people out of business. Well, look, uh, Trump. Trump's uh, one one good thing about the Trump administration is their attitude was America first, make America great, right? And they were dropping all the regulations. The Biden administration has come in and reenacted all kinds of energy and uh, food type of regulations that the Republicans supposedly were trying to get rid of, right? So there's been a, don't ever let anybody tell you that it's Russia or whatever that's causing these shortages. This is, this is a government problem. We would, we could have energy independence in this country if the government would get out of the way and we could have food independence in this country if the government would get out of the way. I know people who produce meat, local uh, friends that live here locally that have herds of cattle and sheep and whatnot. And I was talking to him about the some of the supply chain issues and whatnot. And they're like, look, we've got it. They're making the cost to get it to market incredibly expensive. So they're, your local farmers are getting squeezed. Sure, they're going to want to try to cash in and get as much as they can out of that side of beef. But they'll probably give you a, a better deal. And they, they'll make some money in the process because they don't have to use all the middlemen that are regulated. So here's the... It is in that same article. It says, in North America two years ago, it cost around $200 an acre to fertilize a 1,000-acre commercial farm. $200 an acre? $200 an acre to fertilize a 1,000-acre farm. Now, with spring planting, farmers can expect to pay $1,200 to $2,000 an acre. That's insanity. I mean, that's... And so it says, many farmers... This is a quote from Adams... Many farmers are deciding not to plant. In addition, the diesel fuel prices and diesel fuel scarcity is going into their equation whether they should plant, which means if farmers aren't planting, food isn't growing. Sounds like we have a uh, summer here to prepare, a short season, and then we're going to see the jacking of prices. Well, we're seeing that through inflation, but then, yeah, like Germany announced that same this, I, maybe same this is idea. part of the death spiral that you know we're seeing the second leg down. We've we've infer, inf, we've interfered. The governments have interfered enough and created all these perverse uh, disincentives, and then it starts to spiral out of control because the farmers are like, okay, well, why should we? That was the uh, gist of the whole book. Atlas shrugged is that all the producers leave the economy and, they're, and we're, you're left with all the takers and then, they, of course, they don't produce and so the whole thing collapses. Yep. And that's when the shooting starts because if the whole thing does collapse, right. then you do need the guns and ammo to protect your family and your food. And um, let's, let's, let's wrap it up. I, wanna, I have one final thought here and okay. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, Jordan's final thought today brought to you by Pfizer. Pfizer. 
Until we get real sponsors, oh, we're just going to be brought so, to you by fine. So true. This is just too, it's not even funny. Well, anyway, I, I, I've been into this whole mindset for a significant portion of my adult life. And I remember one time after I had taken some significant actions, moved my family even, okay? We'd moved and to, to achieve certain comfort and, and security goals. And I remember being outside on the front porch of this new house and thinking about all the preparedness stuff and looking at the new set, the new situation we had and all the possibilities, all the dire possibilities. And I was looking up into the stars thinking, you know, it is not enough. It's not enough. Cause I still, of course, live in suburbia. Right. And I was thinking to myself, what do I need to do to get security here for my family, long-term security for my, my wife and kids and me and everybody. And, uh, I'm looking up into the night sky and I'm going, thinking in my mind, do I need, because I'd recently read an article about uh, people selling decommissioned missile silos in the Dakotas and in the Montanas. And you could make a really cool hideout, you know, bunker slash farm out of that. And I'm like, do I need to, do I need to buy a decommissioned missile? Oh, that's a little weird. Maybe I just need to buy a cattle ranch in Montana. (laughs) Maybe I just need to move to Montana. Do I need to buy a full-on ranch? And I I remember just thinking there's, and then I was like, well, what if those, what if you have one of those? And then the if you have a silo, you could get hit by like a a Russian missile that where they hadn't updated. <laughs> you know, all these thoughts are flooding in my mind. Well, that's that's maybe not super smart, or maybe maybe they have it updated that it's a decommissioned silo. Um, or if you've got a cattle ranch, you know, tanks can still come through there. People still come, you're you're isolated. You know, you're living out in the boonies. That, that has all these detractions. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking it's not enough. That's even the even the silos not enough. Even having the uh, all the land in the world, it's still not enough. It's still not going to protect me from what I think might could happen. And I, and I, I kind of had this epiphany. I was like, I realized, oh, okay, I get it. That was never the case that we were supposed to have security in this world. It's part. It's just part of the conditions of being here. Is this insecurity, this entropy, and and, the, and these are all thoughts that are just sort of flashing into my mind all at once. I'm kind of articulating them differently, maybe than I have in the past. But it just hit me that it's not enough, and you can't you can't win. And I I looked up in the sky and I said, you know, to myself or to God, I said, okay, God, I get it. You win. We need a savior. We need a savior, Lord. I get it. We need you more than ever. I need you more than ever, you know, and um, it, was a, it was a significant moment for me to realize, you know, not, and, and it's not just a temporal thing. It's, it's a, it's a spiritual thing too. We, it's the way the world is. We need our God, Jesus Christ and the gods of light, the others uh, in his family that will lift us out of this. And that it's, it's not just that ultimate lifting up or the anastasis, the resurrection that I'm talking about. I'm talking about they will, they can help lift us out of it even in a temporal way, even in a temporary way. That's what temporal means, is temporary. It's for a time, right? And so our temporal preps are important and we ought to involve the Lord in those things and he can help us in those ways, but ultimately he's going to help lift us out of the whole morass, the uh, awful situation, <laughs> the the fallen world that we live in. And so we, we need a savior. That's my, uh, I hope that you 
ponder that, especially this Easter season as you're considering what to do. Don't let the don't let the the magnitude, the the gravity of the this the whole situation, the, the awful situation, keep you from taking some sort of action. Make a plan. Make some temporal plans, temporary plans. Okay. And realize they're temporal or temporary. And it's okay. You have to you have to do things in the temporary world and then in 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 the immediate short term and in the immediate long term. You've got to do things. But that's not the end all. You're here for some sort of a reason, to experience something, to teach something, to do something, to be with somebody, to to do these things. You're here to be the hero, as we like to say, in this epic story as it plays out. So be the hero. Do the things. But play the part and learn the stuff. And of course, never forget who you need to be connected to so that you can be on the right side and um, so that you can get the script, so you can know <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing and play your role appropriately as you, as you play a part in this epic story that's unfolding dramatically right before our eyes. That's what I got to say about that. Amen. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back again next week with another episode of the Mind Virus podcast. Find us at mindvirus.show. Share this with all of your friends and enemies alike. <laughs> and we will talk to you again soon. Goodbye, everybody.